Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It's Wednesday, July 18th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Mm, guten Tag. And fresh back from lovely San Diego, Stephanie ah. Cook. Hello, yes, flute. <laughs> it's uh, from Anchorman. <laughs> I, I hate that movie. So much. No. That's a really good movie. Anyway, uh, never seen it. Um, it's a great movie. It is. I assume it takes place in San I've Diego. Tried, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've tried. I've tried to watch it. I think three or four times, mm. and I've turned it off every time. San Diego, Spanish for a whale's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> why is the, why is that funny? Because it is funny. Why? Because he's an saw idiot. Baby pandas in San Diego, which made oh. me think of Ron Burgundy, and I couldn't get it out of my head once it was there. <laughs> Uh, wait, wait! A panda made you think of Ron Burgundy. There's a big yeah, a bear panda. scene. There's a big bear scene in the in the uh, in Anchorman, and there's a big plot point with a uh, panda having a baby. Okay, because he's a news reporter, so he's covering like the ba- the. That's panda a big story. A baby. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, story of the year. Story of the year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is not a podcast about Anchorman, though. Thank God. <laughs> or pandas. Or pandas. This is uh, the Talking Comics podcast, and this is a, a special show because we are right in the middle of our Women in Comics Yay! week. Uh, it's already been a pretty big week. We've already had uh, top ten female characters lists from both Bob and Steve. Yo. Uh, there's one coming from me tomorrow. Um, we have had an interview with Fiona Staples go up. We've had uh, character spotlights. We've had um, written interviews. Yeah, tons of great new con- yeah, content. Yeah, it's just yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, Our contributors have been knocking it out of the park, um, just as they have been, but they really stepped up this week, um, giving us some great content. So it's really, really exciting. Um, we have an interview with Kelly Sudeconic coming tomorrow for you guys. Um, as well as there's going to be a review of her book, Captain Marvel, up on the uh, up on the site as well. So it is a big, big week. Um, but we have much, much to talk about. So this shows me a little different than usual. Uh, first half, we're going to really kind of forego the book of the week segment because um, we, we're kind of in an odd place because we talked about We've been talking about kind of the books that are coming out that week, that week. Last week, Steve and I talked about Wild Children and Revival. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the week before that, we were talking about the books that came out that week. So uh, we don't really have much to talk about this week in that vein, even though we, Steve and I both bought like 20 new books last week. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Punk Rock Jesus. It was very good. That's it. That's all. That's my book of the week. It was very good, Punk it Rock was. Jesus. It was. Um, but I think Stephanie and I would be out. She was, well, busy. Yeah. And I my met book the it- creator of Punk Rock Jesus, but I haven't read it yet. Fancy schmancy there. Was that at the the round table? No, that was at the Vertigo Visions panel where I met Jeff Lemire. What the? I love you, but I hate you so much. Oh, that's not even to begin to cover it. Yeah, we're going to get to Stephanie's many Comic-Con stories 
rather soon. And you can hate her with me. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we uh, we're gonna talk about a lot of Comic Con stuff. You know, um, you know, the kind of from the, us looking in the Marvel, the big Marvel movie stuff, the DC movie stuff, all that. And Stephanie will kind of give us the. Uh, I guess the ground floor view of what was happening there. Um, and then we're going to talk about, after the break, we're going to talk about our favorite female characters and creators, just you know, on theme with this week. Um, yeah, we are. Yes, we are. But before we get to that... Uh, <laughs> Shit, yeah. <laughs> I got to say, probably the first Talking Comics podcast where we kind of went through every single DC New 52 book. Yo, God. Um, they were very long. Uh, we, though shorter than the podcast we do now, but not nearly as entertaining. <laughs> We talked about Batman number one by Scott Snyder. Yeah. Um, it was the beginning of his Court of Owls arc. It just finished with Batman number 11. Um, finished off his Court of the Owls arc. Uh, and I just wanted to get general impressions about what we thought uh, about this issue. Um, Bob, why don't you start out? Okay. Um, how spoilery are we here? Where were don't we get spoilery. Out? You know, okay. Don't get spoilery on be- it. Um, I'd say this before you get to that, because, I mean, obviously you were here when we talked to Scott. Um, but... I mean, what has been your impressions of the series up until now? Now, I hadn't read Batman in many years, mm-hmm. and he has me, if not buying it, at least reading it every week at the comic store when it comes out. And I'm going to eventually, there'll be an omnibus. Right. Which, because I want the extras. I want the DVD extras that'll come with this book that's going to have to come out. And it's been amazing to create a new villain, not of the usual type. It's now political and deeply entrenched in, in Gotham's history and absolutely wonderful as we've gone along. We've, di- we've disemboweled Batman in some ways. That issue in the maze is incredible. Yeah. And the follow-ups that are even better. I was a little let down with the ending only because great battle sequence, the stuff with Bruce and Dick sitting around rehashing it, but we've sort of set into play, I'm not saying anything, a villain who we are now maybe not, and it's almost as if we're prepping the three years out next storyline, just in case you thought it was this, it's not that, it's something else altogether. And it's I sort of see the wheels turning a little bit. The book as the book is still brilliant, and mm-hmm. the backup story is another is just another great one. Yeah. Um, hardly recommended. Whatever misgivings I have, okay, it makes it a 9 out of 10 right. instead of a 10 out of 10. <laughs> This is how you do comics. This is how you do an iconic character. He's consistent with who he's supposed to be. He's a detective. He's hard-ass. He's Bruce and Batman. They're separate. His supporting cast works. It's an amazing piece of work. Steve, what did you think? Um, I'm actually still trying to decide uh, what I thought. I thought that the... I'm not, I'm not going to say that it was anticlimactic because obviously it was <laughs> like a huge reveal, but yeah. I just... I felt that it was more of an epilogue issue that we'd kind of peaked at 10. Um, not that it wasn't a great issue. It was, but it kind of left me wondering like, well, where do we go now and how much more are we going to expect from this new villain? It seems as if it's kind of like, you know, slinking back into the shadows. And now we have, of course, it's been announced that the Joker is going to be coming into play. And I'm just wondering if all of this, stuff that that he set up obviously he's going to be on the book for a while it's going to come back and then talons is coming out as well um i just i we left it i guess we're going to be moving on yeah that's what it seems like it seems like we've closed the book at least on this first story of this new villain yeah to me that's what it seems like but i think you're going to see them as the backstory 
sort of bubbling up every now I and just, again. Well, that's the thing. I hope yeah. that I hope that they they remain a presence in in the I overall agree. thing. I don't want it to be this ten issue, eleven issue ride, and we we read all this stuff, built up this character, everybody became attached to it. Everybody's used to it and used to the vibe and everything. And I have no doubt that the book is going to continue to be great. But I just I want that I want that foundation to kind of continue. I don't I don't I know it's not over, but I didn't feel like it was much of a closing the door on it so much as leaving the door open a little bit. Yeah, I think I agree with you completely on that, uh, Stephanie. I know you said earlier when I talked to you in the day that you hadn't read it yet and you were going to try to. Did you get a chance to? Unfortunately, I didn't. Okay. I'm sorry. I've oh, it's been all right. kind of like sleeping off the past <laughs> week. So I just didn't want to leave you out if you, if you had gotten the chance to read it. So my review went up, and you know I said a lot of the same things that you said, Bob, mm-hmm. which is it's this thing where I said in my review, heavy is the head that wears the crown, which is that he nice. set up such brilliance over you know not every issue of this eleven issues is brilliant, but he has. Like, every other issue is this draw-on-the-floor issue, and this just wasn't one of those. And it's still a great comic, like you yes. said. You compare it to any other comic out, and it's like, wow, if this was the end of any other run, this would be amazing. But, you know, it was just a really great comic and not a genius comic, and that is an unfair criticism to lay against something, yeah. you know? You can't expect him to be working at that level at every second. I thought the battle was really, really well done. Um, really metaphoric, too, because you know, it goes all over Gotham. and right. You're seeing it from so many different angles. Yeah. yeah. Above, below, sure. And it really kind of shows the struggle they've been having. You know, for people who have been reading it, there's a, a kind of big revelation in issue 10. And I think we were all kind of wondering how it was going to be addressed in issue 11. And he doesn't shy away from that revelation. <laughs> It does not dramatically alter the Batman universe with it, though, which was no. the potential for it. But it's a very open-ended ending. You know, it's the revelation still could be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, you know, this whole thing is hinged on Bruce having this one belief. And if Scott Snyder knows anything over his Batman run, it's that he loves to tear down the things that Bruce yeah. believes in. So we'll have to see what he does with that. I would never hesitate to tell anybody to read this issue. It's a great oh, issue. You should. It's just, you know, I said this in my review too, endings are really hard. You know, they're, they're full of a, an amount of expectation. And you have a readership who's been, all they've been thinking about probably since issue one is, how is this going to end? Mm-hmm. And your, your, this, your one man's way of e- ending it, well, it might be great, is probably never going to match up to what everybody's put in their minds mm-hmm. over almost yeah. a year. Well, uh, one of the things that I was, was wondering, not necessarily hoping for, but when they were mentioning that the villain or the reveal would be somebody, like they, it was hinted that it would be somebody that we knew. Mm-hmm. And in a way, we did, but we weren't aware of you yes. know, what mm-hmm. was going on. That um, by setting up this, this, I guess, new character, new villain, I, I just, I want to I know that this is now a part of the universe that these last 11 issues have been something that is going to stay with the series. Like, I don't want it to, I don't want it to go away. Right. And I think the fact that they're starting to publish a new ongoing series based on a character. That's a great point. I think that it's definitely going to stay. Yeah. I I see them in sort of the same vein as the, you know, the league of shadows 
right? Is it Lee yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the Ra's al Ghul, right? Uh, that's what I see them as, kind of this force that's going to come in and out that will often be behind the scenes a lot of the time and only come to the forefront in really big moments. That's what I see it as. I want to see some of those, some more of those masks taken off, but I guess yeah. I can't... Uh... No, forget it. I'm going <laughs> to no. spoil stuff. I, Did I you see that picture um, from Comic-Con where they awesome. passed out all the, the owl oh, yeah, masks? No, really? Yeah. They met up. That shit was crazy. Yeah, they had the, at the uh, Batman panel, right, they gave out, uh, you know, Court of Owls masks and everybody in the audience was wearing them. It was <laughs> yeah, really creepy. I saw that photo and I thought at first it was Photoshopped. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, shit. That is like, I'd seen people with the masks. So then I kind of was just like, wow, they're all wearing it. Mm-hmm. It was pretty creepy. Uh, and I will say this about the issue. Whatever slight reservations I have about the main issue, the backup is absolutely fantastic. It, it's dark, gothic, horror mm. writing. Yep. Uh, just done. You know, it has that... It's somewhat Lovecraftian in, in yeah. its crafting. Now, who's the artist again? I always blow his name. Raphael so I'll Albuquer- to- Albuquerque. Okay. Yeah, he's the American vampire artist. He's uh-huh. um, the writer Brilliant. of that is going to be doing the Talon series. Yeah, the co-writer with Snyder is going to be doing the Talon series. Oh. Nice. Yeah, so that's exciting. But so that's the end of that arc. Uh, you know, I just figured we should mention it because it's been such a prevalent topic for us over you know the ten months or so mm-hmm. since we started doing this. Um, I can't believe it's been ten months. Yeah, dude. <laughs> coming up on a year. Yeah, it's pretty close to a year. So that's Batman. Um, I will say this: Scott Snyder had a great week. Uh, American Vampire was great, and Swamp Thing was fantastic. So, Swamp Thing was awesome. Yeah, so keep on with the Snyder. Uh, <laughs> it's been great. So moving on from regular comics and books, Comic-Con this week. Uh, there was a convention this week? There was a convention, if you can believe it. There was something that happened <laughs> didn't this week. know that. Big deal in comic books. Um, Stephanie, why don't you tell us some of your stories from being there? Okay, well, <laughs> I've got lots of them. Um I guess the first thing and probably the biggest thing that was announced as far as comic books go in my world and something that I was present for, which I will forever be thankful for, um, was at the Vertigo Visions panel, or maybe it was just Vertigo, whatever. Anyways, um, (laughs) they did the announcement that Neil Gaiman would be doing a six-part prequel to Sandman. Yeah. So um, we've been sitting there in the panel room for... You know, like the 45 minutes and going through, like it was a pretty massive panel. Scott Snyder was there, Jeff Lemire, Raphael Albuquerque, Dan Abnett. Um, oh, what's, there was, Bill was there, Bill Willingham. Um, and it was like all uh, put together by Laura Berger, who is one of the, I believe, editors at Vertigo. Um, and so we'd all been sitting there, sitting through this amazing content and talking about things like, like Sweet Tooth and American Vampire and Fables and Ferris and punk rock Jesus. And we thought that it was winding down. We were going to do a Q&A. And then Karen starts talking about, you know, oh, well, I have one more thing. And she plays this video. And it's a video that Neil Gaiman put together announcing the series and that he would be doing it with J.H. Williams. Yeah. And it's going to be incredible. It's, I think, set to come out next year. And um, if you really want to hate me, totally scored like the cover art, like a poster of it, and signed by JH. Oh my God, it was so great. That's my story. Um, That's a hell of a first story. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting story. It's interesting comparing it to what happened with Before Watchmen. You know? Yeah. Them getting the, the central creative force behind a book back to do the prequel, whereas 
that wouldn't ha- it didn't happen with Watchmen. I think it says more about the the, 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 the creator, creator yeah. than, the, than the actual like process. But so yeah, um, yeah. Like I mean, it was a really big deal at the time. You could tell that there was just so much passion for it, and like everyone is so so excited. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that it's going to be a limited run, and you know, it's just going to be a little bit like they're not completely reviving the series. Um, but yeah, so that was freaking awesome. Um, I got a chat with Royden Lepp, who's the creator of the Archaea series, Rust, who you yeah. know, Steve <laughs> loves. I do. Um, it's He's my fresh, friend. <laughs> right off the news, I got to meet him like the day after um, it got announced that Rust would be adapted into a movie um, by Attack the Block director Joe Cornish. Um, Which is an amazing, so hopefully, amazing maybe choice. we can have him on the show sometime soon and talk about comics and shenanigans and, you know, stuff. Um, <laughs> yes, it's going to be a live-action film, and uh, Rust Volume 2 is going to be out very soon, and it is wonderful. They um, are so nice. I met him and his mother, and they're so sweet. <laughs> you and, met his um, mom? That's awesome. Rust is like, t- it takes place in Canada, he was saying, and um, they're going to film it, hopefully, I guess, you know, soon, but if they can't film it in Canada, he's like, we're going to film it in hopefully South Africa and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, just tell them Canada's the worst. Take them to South Africa. Take them to South Africa. Like, you know, go on a fancy trip. Now, that um, says to me, if he can bring his mom, you should bring Oma to New York. Yeah. Funny story. If you follow me on Twitter, Oma has been, you know, on my case about every time I go somewhere, she thinks I'm going to Cincinnati. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to Portland? Portland, Cincinnati, right? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, that doesn't exist. And so she, on the way to San Diego, she was, you know, you're going to Cincinnati, right? Like, no. no. Why do you think I'm always going to Cincinnati? My stopover on the way back, totally in Cincinnati. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was, you know, Oma. Maybe Oma can see the future. Maybe. I maybe. Think- this is something that you could probably jump in on a bit, Bobby. Sure. They um, DC was talking about that um, Smallville uh, season eleven, the comics. Yes. They aren't going to maybe be using Stephanie Brown anymore. They're definitely not using Stephanie Brown. It's going to be Barbara. Barbara Gordon, and yeah. hmm. there is much rage among the fans. There was a lot of rage about it. Do we it. know why that's why that is? I don't think they really said why it, um, it, why it was, but I, I'm not sure, Stephanie. There was a girl last year who raised a big stink about the lack of um, female characters, uh, and she came to every single panel, DC panel, to like make a stink about it. And uh, this year, she showed up at the con dressed up as Stephanie Brown, um, <laughs> and she asked, you know, she was like, "But there was art for it." And I guess um, Cunningham. Oh, anyways, <laughs> he was like, "Well, are you going to trust me, or are you going to trust the art?" Right. And um, yeah. That that's upset a few fans, and they also announced that, as far as the DC fifty two continuity goes, Tim Drake was never Robin. Yeah, there was something about that that what? he just, just always been Red Robin, but there, there was a little bit of like confusion about that because what I read the story online, there's it was more just kind of speculation than anything else that they they think maybe the whoever spoke about it spoke wrong about it because there's stuff in Batman and Robin when Damien and Tim are fighting that directly alludes to Tim being Robin at some point. So I, I don't know, but it's supposed to only be five years. So it would be a little ridiculous. He had four Robins in five years, but you know, 
what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, the Stephanie Brown thing, I could understand it if they were like, okay, Stephanie, because Stephanie Brown was going to be Nightwing mm-hmm. in Smallville. And I could understand if they were going, oh, it's not Stephanie Brown, it's going to be Dick Grayson. Then I could understand, oh, then you're getting rid of their female yeah. character. But you're replacing her with Barbara Gordon. I understand if you don't like Barbara Gordon as much as you like Stephanie Brown, but they're still replacing her with another female character. You know, it's not like they're replacing her with a, a male character. So I get that too, uh. but the point was to appease the fans that were trying to bring Stephanie Brown back. Right. And but, the point was to kind of give them something to look forward to and now yeah. they yanked that away. Yeah. <laughs> Pulled the rug out from under them. Yeah. Look, they already gave Barbara Gordon back being bad girl in the mm-hmm. book, so why not let Stephanie do something in the Smallville universe? I have to imagine that they're going to bring her back into continuity at some point. There's I just, think so too. There's all these like her and Wally West and those they're going to end up back. Too many people love those characters. Uh, look, I, I frankly, I'd rather see Barbara Gordon as Oracle, right? I know and you Stephanie would, Brown as <laughs> Batgirl. Can I say something? Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. I, I said yes. <laughs> I might. Be You're the, outvoted. <laughs> I might be the odd man out. I mean, I I do love Stephanie Brown's character, but putting her in season eleven of Smallville. I'm not going to read that. Right. I wasn't oh. planning on reading it either, but I was just happy that she was back. And yeah, getting- like that's that's great and everything. But in all honesty, I didn't. I I gave up on the show. You know, <laughs> Lana Lang started to become some kind of Egyptian bullshit, and I I jumped <laughs> ship. But I, you know, not finishing out the show, not knowing where they ended it, where this is picking up, and is he flying yet? He's Superman. Yeah. He's Superman. Well, I know that. No, but I'm saying he has At the, the last episode. No, he has, no, the, he has suit. the costume. Oh, on that was Superman. the last episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I finally holding got an to airplane, it. holding an airplane above his head. Wow, and... fucking amazing. <laughs> anyway, I I would love to see Stephanie come back in some in some form, but in, in as a character, as a as a side character in a book that I'm not going to be reading doesn't excite me. Right, I understand all. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the some character stuff came out that people were not super psyched about. Though mm-hmm. I, I think the statement of whether I don't think it really matters at this point whether Tim Drake used to be Robin or not in this continuity because it doesn't matter. He's not yeah. Robin anymore. No. So what's the difference? I don't think it matters. Yeah. I think people are just kind of talking about it and yeah. the fact that it came up. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yes. I'm a little sad that Stephanie Brown won't be back, but I'm hoping again, like you guys said, I think she's too popular to not make an appearance mm-hmm. again. Yeah. At some point in time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you have any, any other stories you want to share with us, or should we move on to some movies? Well, um, I'll say, you know, if you aren't reading Rachel Rising, you should. I met Terry Moore and his wife, and they're the nicest people ever, and seriously, it's such a great series. Um, let's see. I got a chance to meet a ton of Twitter fans um, and talking comics fans, I Yay! met um, our listener, Megan F., who came and chatted with me for a bit while I was at the DC booth. And um, I got to meet one of our talking comics contributors, Alexander. And I'm sorry, I really don't know how to say your last name, but I'm going to assume it's N.A. But <laughs> That's close, if, if I think. If it's not, I apologize. But I got a chance to meet him, and I felt really bad. I, I, I kept trying to hang out with him, and my schedule was just a bit too hectic to kind of, you know... Time in, but I also got a chance to meet Alan Kistler, too, oh, who nice. has been on the show. Awesome. Yeah. So that was lovely. And I met Ron Perlman, and that's not really Whoa. a talking comics fan or anything, but I thought I'd throw that in there because it was he awesome. Be. He should be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was in that like awesome. a really weird impromptu signing, and oh, wow. a friend was running the booth and was like, do you want to meet Ron Perlman? And I'm like, duh, do you need to ask? 
Yeah, I do. He was in that awesome Dirty Laundry short, that Tom Jane Punisher short that came out uh, a couple days ago. It's yeah, a, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that yet. It just, Ron, I mean, uh, Tom Jane just made it himself. Like, just a fan film made by him that <laughs> Ron Perlman also happens to be in. Uh, I will have to check that out. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. It's really good. It's called Dirty Laundry. Ron That's Perlman's what. the man. He's pretty cool. He's so scary. He was so nice. No, he's not. He's Vincent. He's not scary at all. I also saw him meet Mike Mignola for the first time. Wow. Oh, wow. I, I was like wondering, this guy kept like kind of pushing in beside me and our friend was kind of just letting him. So I assumed he knew him. And then I was like, all right. And um, <laughs> our friend Kenny was like, oh, uh, Ron, this is Mike Mignola. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> this guy just elbowed in the nose. Is <laughs> <laughs> So that was like awesome. And I was going to tweet them. I had this photo of them together, like shaking hands and stuff. But Ron Perlman was all, oh, I've kind of heard of you. Yeah, no, huh? You do something with like comics, right? And they were joking, and he's like, "Yeah, I've heard of you, right? Like you're in like movies and stuff." And it was pretty great. That's pretty funny. I think that pretty well. I mean, there's lots to talk about, but you know, we have other things to discuss, like women in comics. We do, yes, and shenanigans. Um, Lots of shenanigans. So there was also a bunch of, of movie comic book news announced. We got well, not, we got a, got a Man of Steel footage. They showed Man of Steel footage and announced that, that the trailer is definitely going to be before Dark Knight Rises. And the footage got a good reaction on the internet. You know, they said it seemed somebody said it was Alex Rossian, or you know, it's hmm. um, you know has like a nice um, has an emotional tone to it and stuff. So I'm I'm anxious to see that. Stuff to talk about that because it's not really an announcement. It's just you know showing footage. Are they going to release that on the internet? Well, it's going to they, they they're it's the teaser trailer. They're, it's going to be before yeah. Dark Knight oh, okay. Rises, so I'm sure it'll pop up online at some point. At that same panel, they announced Gojira. Yes, Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just make it sure. <laughs> that really wasn't anything, you know, DC Marvel related, but no. also sort of kind of exciting in a ugh, kind of way. Yeah. I mean the the, the director's exciting. Gareth Edwards the, that movie Monsters is pretty cool. So the fact that he's oh, yeah. doing it. Like oh, he's do- really? Yeah, he's doing it. Oh. Yeah. Nice. And they apparently showed some test footage and it was it looked very it looked apparently very good. Cool. Did it look like Godzilla? Yeah, not like the, an iguana. They said like, the shape I, of the monster definitely looked more Godzilla like the roar sounded more Godzilla like. They said the, the face is slightly more elongated than the kind of classic look, but nowhere near what it was in the good. awful Roland Emmerich movie. I liked uh, that movie Monsters. I'm psyched now, even more so. Yeah, it's cool. And they also showed uh, footage for uh, Pacific Rim, the Guillermo del Toro oh, yeah. giant robots yeah. versus giant monsters movie. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. But, and they said they're going six months dark, though. No one's going to see this footage until the, the trailer comes out. Yeah, so. it comes out, what, next Christmas or yeah, something? It comes, yeah, it has a while before the movie yeah. comes out. I'm sure you guys also heard, but at the um, Watchmen panel, Quentin Tarantino yeah. like, crashed it, and he said that they're going to do a Django Unchained uh, comics to go along with the movie. Yeah, oh. yeah a, a miniseries. Mm-hmm. So that should be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Exciting. <laughs> Stuff's going on. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. crashed the Iron Man kids costume contest. <laughs> Which is so really? cool. Yeah, so cool. he like showed up. Marvel had this giant stage where it was all the Iron Man costumes. And these little kids all showed up to do, you know, a contest. And he showed up to judge it, like, unexpectedly. And there's, like, all these little little kids all crowded around him in Iron Man costumes. <laughs> oh, it's man. kind of the cutest thing ever. <laughs> That is yeah. really, really cool. Um, and, of course, he also was at the Marvel panel, came out mm-hmm. dancing to Luther Vandross music, <laughs> wearing a repulsor glove, because uh, he's Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> yeah. and that's what he you do. He's like the coolest guy on the planet. Yeah, I know. 
Well, Chris Evans said when you're he, when they were filming the Avengers, he's like, I I couldn't believe how cool he was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, uh, so the Marvel panel they announced a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they showed footage from Iron Man three, which got very well received. Um, revealed that the Mandarin is in fact the villain in Iron Man three, mm-hmm. which Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, which is very exciting. Um, borderline race uh, racist, but you know, yeah. exciting, mm-hmm. just like the Mandarin always is. Um, <laughs> Because his name is the Mandarin. And then uh, uh, they also... Now, Iron Man 3 is called Iron Man 3. It's the only Marvel sequel that is now out that's going to have a number next to it. We have Thor, The Dark World, which I have no idea what that means. Um, I don't think... Oh, Game of Thrones director, that's going to be... Right. Heads rolling. But what I'm saying is that title, while it's evocative as far as like descriptors, is not evocative of a certain comic book storyline. Unlike Captain America, The Winter Soldier... Right. Uh, which I like had a slight freak out about when I saw yeah. that that's what they were doing. Um, it's it's tough because it's a it's not a, that old of a storyline, but it's definitely a seminal storyline. Wouldn't you agree, Bob? Yeah. No, you're gonna now pull together the past and present mm-hmm. in one great shot. And now the news they've cast the Falcon. They cast the Falcon. Anthony Mackie is playing the Falcon. Woof. Uh, so that's a big, was that a good wolf or a bad wolf? That's a good wolf. Okay. I love me some Falcon. The the Falcon? No, the other, the actor. Oh, Anthony Mackie. He was in, uh, the Hurt Locker. He, uh, he was in the Adjustment Bureau. Uh, he's been a bunch of stuff. He was also an Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. He's a black guy. Uh, Oh, he was the, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great actor. He looks Andre 3000 a bit, doesn't he? He he does a little bit look Andre 3000. He's a great actor. If you watch the Hurt Locker, you will not... I have for one no second. problem with him. I just have a problem with that movie. Okay, but there's <laughs> now no, he was okay yeah, directing was Captain America is well, Anthony and Joe Russo, who are television directors. They're television comedy directors. We're, we're assuming they're comic book geeks of one kind or another. Yeah, Let's I mean, hope. from what I hear is that Kevin Feige is very much a feelings guy. He okay. meets with people, and if he likes feelings. what he hears, Whoa. he likes the vibe he gets. Yeah. He picks them. Right. And it, it's not right. Tim's story, so I'm already no. thinking good thoughts. Um. Yeah, so that's pretty freaking exciting. That's, yeah, what a great storyline! And story announced line. one more movie as well. Oh yes, but we are not done with the Marvel panel. There no. is other huge stuff to talk about. So or little stuff. What else, well, Bobby? Good one, Bob. But before <laughs> we even get to that, that's the last of the things we're going to talk okay. about. Um, so the rumored movie became confirmed. Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be the second 2014 movie by Marvel. It's coming out on August first, 2014. They showed some uh, concept art. And they uh, revealed the uh, the team, which I know is Rocket Raccoon. I'm thrilled about one of these characters. Go ahead, keep um, going. I don't. I, I, I thought this was right here. I can't. Do you yeah. remember what they are, Bob? Rocket no. Raccoon is going to be in. Oh yeah, he's in the concept art. Drax the Destroyer. Drax the Destroyer. Uh, Groot is that his name? Groot. Groot the giant tree. Right. But Gamora the intergalactic bounty hunter and one of the yeah most kick-ass people in comics. She yeah. is a piece of work. Yeah. And uh, the leader of the team, who's the, he's the leader, I think, in the book, too. I can't remember his name right now. He's the human character, I think, on the team is also there. How far back are we going? This, See, is, this is the new stuff. This is like okay, the Abnet no, stuff you're, a couple you're, of years you're, ago. You're out on me. Um, so Rocket Raccoon. I'm stuck on Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, yeah. Is this going to be like Chipmunks, Smurfs deal? Is It's live action, right? Yeah. All right. And then they're going to have a CG an- animal? Anthem- yeah, anthropomorphized yeah. raccoon. Ooh, kind of like that uh, that convention that we saw an ad for. Yeah, back. the furries. <laughs> yeah, the furries. anthropomorphicon. Yeah, don't with forget a big to bring gu- your horse. With a, he has a big gun though. 
That's he, awesome. He does have a big gun. Yeah. And he's very sarcastic. And I'm pretty sure he's British. So, I mean, he's actually British, but I'm pretty sure they, you know, whatever I think I've that's seen awesome. Him. I think that's a pretty yeah. bold move. It's yes. really, it's a really bold move. Like that. I'm down for that. It's that's a really, cool. really bold but move. But I guess it comes out after Thor and Cap? Yes. It's the, it's the last of this line right. of movies. Um, and I'm, I mean, they haven't announced anything about it. They haven't, except for a release date and the team, but oof, it's going to be something pretty interesting, I think. Um, and then the big surprise of the day, uh, Edgar Wright, who is a dirty, dirty liar, uh, was <laughs> tweeting all weekend that he was not in San Diego. He was in London. You know, they were, they're, they're working on the uh, world's end. He was not going to be a comic con and who should come out on stage. But Edgar Wright, but, of course, to announce yeah. the fact that Ant Man is happening and to show test footage of the film. Um, that's, that's all we really know right now. Uh, there's no release date yet. Uh, a little news came out today that uh, uh, one of the Marvel executives said that it is possible that Ant Man would be their third 2014 movie oh. um, if Edgar Wright can fit it in after World's End. If if it's possible to make it then. Nice. So that's a pretty cool yeah. deal. Um, Want to see some Henry Pym in Avengers 2. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why they want to, they want to get it out. Um, the, the footage sounded like very, very Edgar Wright footage. The point of this is, if they, if at Comic-Con, at, at any random panel, they announced Edgar Wright's new movie about a scientist who can grow giant and grow tiny, and he fights crime, I would be like, I really want to see that movie. <laughs> in the <laughs> midst know? of yeah, yeah. Winter Soldier. And, yeah, written by Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. Speaking of awesome. Rust, yeah. so um, are you excited about this, Bob? Yes. Uh, you've got to have the core Avengers. You've got to go to that, that original grouping. And it's a great science fiction story. It's where it started as, as one of those... Oops, we just lost that a no, second. You're, you're good. Um, you know, one of those old horror comics that Stan was doing is the man in the anthill. The guy who makes a mistake and ends up the ants chasing him around. <laughs> I can see Edgar Wright doing that and it being funny and mm-hmm. scary and just working like mad. We throw in Jan, throw in the Wasp. Why can't they be superheroes? Go yeah. for it. it. I'm. Oh, they better get somebody real good to play her because she is. She's important to that whole thing. She's very important. Yes. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, what do you think about this? I think it's great. I mean, how can you not like anything that Edgar Wright does? <laughs> yes. So That's true. I'm on board with this. It's very true. Very true. Hundred um, percent. Oh, and the, the team for Guardians of the Galaxy. Sorry, is the guy's name is Star Lord. That's his name. Oh, yes. Um, and then it's Drax, uh, Groot, uh, Rocket Raccoon, and Gamora. So there you go. I've got to say, I'm a little surprised that the Marvel panel they didn't capitalize on all that love for Black, uh, the Black Widow after the Avengers. I thought for sure they would have announced something for her origin story. Yeah, I just don't. If I wasn't in their plan, you know, and, and the kind of think we're, it's the same reason we don't have a Hulk movie. Oh, no, no. I, I understand, you know, these movies sound great, and I'm yeah. 100% on board with them, but I remember all the hype, and they were talking about doing one right after the Avengers, yeah. and yeah, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, a whole but. S.H.I.E.L.D. movie as a sidebar, maybe. Yeah, maybe uh, New York Comic Con, you never know. Maybe. And she's Ooh. also, she's probably going to end up popping up in Captain America in some way, because yeah. she's going to be in- entrenched in the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Um, it, it also might happen that she might be part of that initiative they're going to do where they're going to make smaller budget movies. You know, based on some of these characters, yeah. you know, just like when they, well, uh, they talk about the Luke Cage movie, you know, mm-hmm. being a smaller budget movie. So did they announce any of the I can't remember if they announced any of the writers for Captain America, but I know Brubaker, Ed Brubaker was tweeting a lot about it, which led me to believe that maybe he would have a hand in the screenwriting. Ooh. I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously, it's based off of his story. 
And there's a really funny thing where uh, Dan Slott retweeted a tweet from Ed Brubaker that said, holy shit. And he said, and the tweet from Dan Slott said, this was the exact moment that Ed Brubaker heard the subtitle for Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's a great storyline. The Captain America thing is the most exciting thing to me of all these announcements. And I'm excited about all of them. But the fact that they're doing that storyline is pretty, pretty big time. Well, we... Spoiler alert! I mean, if everyone's seeing Captain America. I mean, Bucky yeah. goes off that train. Yeah. It's okay. This is—it's not exactly what Stan did, but mm-hmm. it's—it's it's that same emotional moment. Like, oh, I, I like him. Yeah. So we're he's back, see. but yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, it is bananas. Yeah. Well, let me yeah. ask. Let me ask for the, the listeners that don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Me being one of them, since I'm listening to you now. Yeah. Winter Soldier, I know, has been a series that's going on now that I've been collecting and yes. not reading. But um, <laughs> the Winter Soldier, I guess that's an old Captain America tale. It's not an old one. No. It's from the 2003, 2004 yeah. area. It's a Brubaker story. Ah. And I mean, I, this is a comic book podcast, so yeah. we can talk about this. Uh, Bucky died in World War II and for 70 years or what have mm-hmm. you stayed dead until Ed Brubaker brought him back. Yeah. Bucky was the a guy who was going to stay dead. Yeah, as the Winter Soldier, a brainwashed Soviet assassin who is now a bad guy because he got taken out of the ice as well, right. but, but he got figured out by the wrong people. Only a week at a time. Yeah. So wow. he's never really aged yeah. Over all these years, they he's would still a, him and then put to, him to, back to go yeah, assassinate so somebody. And, uh, demolition man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Except yeah. keep putting him back in the ice. Yeah. We need you to take this guy out. Mm. Take whack him. Freeze. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's it's incredible. It's a pretty incredible story. So I'm I'm really excited that they're doing it. And we everyone kind of assumed this because the person they cast as Bucky looks like that version of Bucky, not the, I'm a little kid. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the of kid Barnes. sidekick. Yeah. So really, really exciting. I mean, and I can't wait to see Chris Evans in that story. I think that'll yeah. just be fantastic. And it's funny, the, I mean, the movie I'm least excited about is probably Iron Man 3, but that's not because I'm not going to see it opening day and I don't think it's going to be great. It's just this, at this point is our fourth Iron Man movie in like five years, you know, five or six yeah. years. Yes. Pretty true. much so. But they are saying this is a different tone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in for it. You know, I'm going to be there opening night. But exciting stuff coming out of Marvel. Really yeah. exciting stuff. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much it for that movie stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff announced at Comic-Con. You know, there was a lot of... The, the image panel was ridiculous. They had like a billion people there <laughs> announcing books. Um, including this one uh, by this guy named Gary Whitta, who's a screenwriter. He also writes on The Walking Dead game. Uh, it's a... It's like a post-apocalyptic take on the Oliver Twist mythology. Interesting. It looks kind of steampunky, you know, the way it looks in like, on the uh, cover. Ah, steampunk. Um, looks really, really cool. So, can I ask you? Did, oh. oh, go ahead, Steph. Hmm. Never mind. Um, <laughs> did DC have any movies announced? They didn't announce any movies. No. They showed. They just from, did the footage. Yeah, from Man of Steel. The, and what they said, I mean, before Comic Con, they had said that. Man of Steel was probably the only DC movie you were going to see for three years. Okay. Well, they got their kind of house in order. And Zack Snyder said that to an extent. He said, somebody asked him about the Justice League movie. He goes, look, he goes, you know, this is about getting DC's crown jewel Superman, getting his house back in order. Once that's done, anything can happen. So that's what he says. What what does that mean? (laughs) Who who the frick knows? But (laughs) yeah, but is that Superman going to be able to, to integrate into whatever the hell it is? 
Like, are they going to sit down yeah. and base their new strategy around the new Superman? Probably. They probably should. They should, but they probably won't they or probably, can't. I mean, they're, they're going to have to. I mean, I, but... I mean, I don't want to talk about that. That's, that's negative stuff. I don't really yeah. want to talk about that. We got so much cool stuff. They had stuff. Arrow. But we're going to be watching you, DC. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. watching you. Yeah, they do have Arrow there as well. And, they, and they've and pretty much showed that Deathstroke is going to be a character in Arrow. So we'll see what happens with that. Sorry, Stephanie, you're going to say something? Oh, yeah, I was just was going back to the comics world for a second. You mentioned the image thing and how yeah. they were announcing all kinds of books. And I just wanted to point out that um, at San Diego, the... Um, Monkey Brain Comics. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard about them yet, you guys really need to look into checking them out. Um, they did like that big launch on July 2nd. If you were on Twitter, you couldn't escape it. Yeah. Um, it was the number two trending thing under Anderson Cooper. <laughs> that was also the day he decided to announce, you know, the big reveal. that he was gay. Surprise! Um, pardon? Nothing. <laughs> surprise. That was my Anderson Cooper surprise I'm gay voice. That's what it was. I know. I actually thought that was common knowledge, but... Anyway, like Monkey Brain, cool. yeah, they did like this whole launch. They announced their existence, and then they did this like completely, you know, crazy thing. And they released five comics that day because of the success of the launch on Comicsology. And I think they released five comics for six dollars. Yeah. Um, and they did a panel, and I was fortunate enough to be there. And they were talking about their process and what they're going to do. And I got a chance to see some of the comics that are coming in the future. And holy shit, guys! There is something for everybody. If you don't know about them yet, go check them out right now. Go to Comixology. Go download them. They're so cheap. They're so wonderful. And there's so many great people involved in them. And, um, yeah, that's that was something I just wanted to add in because, you know, they're going to be a big deal. Yeah. Um, and at that image panel, I mean, they announced books from uh, Matt Fraction, uh, who's doing it with, teaming with Howard Chaikin. Mm-hmm. For a, wow. for a book, yeah. Um, Greg Rucka, a new book from Greg Rucka, a new, a new book from James Robinson, a new book from Kelly Sudakonic, um, you know, a new book from Chris Roberson. So they announced a ton of stuff. Can I ask Steph Oh, a Joe Casey as well. Um, Monkey Brain. Steph, do you know if there's going to be printed versions or is it only digital? Um, okay, so this was a question that did come up, and I'll try and explain it the best I can. <laughs> um, but Monkey Brain is like sort of, facilitating the like, creation of all these comics. You can pitch anything you want to them. If they like it, they're going to publish it. But they take, I think, 10% of the profits. The rest of it all goes to the creators. Yeah, I've heard that, um, that, that which is awesome. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I, the creators, by the way, are Chris Roberson and Allison Roberson. Uh, Chris Roberson being the creator of iZombie and uh, IDW's Memorial. Nice. Um, but, yeah... Basically, the creators uh, retain all the rights to the comics. They don't want them. It's all theirs. They don't want to get in disputes. The creators own it. So eventually, there will probably be printed versions of it, but that's up to the creators to put out, not Monkey Brain themselves. Aha. Yeah. So, um, you know, if they get a good reception for it and if people are buying them, hint, hint, everybody, (laughs) you know, they're going to be much more likely to put out a print version of it for people to collect you know, in physicality. Very, very cool. Yeah. I need to grab some of those because they're like, I, I want to read that, uh, that October girl. Yeah. It's the, fantastic. The artwork. October for girl's just... great. Bandette is great. I mean, they're all really great to be honest. I mean, ugh, definitely read them. <laughs> <laughs> You're flabbergasted. <laughs> I know, but there's so many more like, you know, these five, I thought they were kind of, you know, the first five and they'd have, you know, 
six comics for the next little while, and then they do like a new batch. But these are all ongoing series for as long as these creators want to keep doing them. And um, I think Chris Roberson on the panel said they have about 30 other projects lined up wow. to come out too. And they're so great. There's one in particular that's sort of like this barbarian-esque, like cartoony, I don't know, com- comic. And I think it'll be right up Steve's alley. Uh, <laughs> I have two quick questions for you and then we can move on really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the You said there was a deal that you can get all of them for $6. Do you know if that's still going on? Yeah, it should. Um, I don't nice. know if like it's uh, something that's, I mean, a couple of them, they're based, the price points are based on how long they are because they're creator owned. You know, some of the comics can be, yeah. I don't know, like 12 pages. Some of them are, you know, if they want, there's none that are a hundred, but if they wanted to do one issue that was a hundred pages long, you know, that's something they could right. do. But most of the issues that are out right now are, I think, either 99 cents or $1.99, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think almost all of them are 99 cents. I think only one of them is $1.99. All okay, right. but yeah, you can get them all for $6, and as far as I know, that's still going on. Yeah, um, and I have a quick for people that I don't use Comixology, or I, I haven't yet. Um, is it an account that you create, and it's just stored on an account, or, it ha- or it's on that particular machine? Like, if I wanted to do all of the buying and the the you know putting in my information mm-hmm. on my home computer but yep. then sitting on my couch with my tablet i could just go on to comiXology and yeah okay um you know what like i started using comiXology probably like two weeks ago for the first time and it's fantastic i bought everything on my laptop on comiXology picked everything out paid for it um turned on my ipad and you log in on your ipad under your username and you can download whatever, any of the comics you bought, you can choose, you know, selectively which ones you want to load onto your iPad, um, or you can just load them all. You can load them on your iPhone, you can load them onto your computer, um, anywhere that you can have a com- get access to Comixology, you can download those comics as long as you've bought them and you're logged into that account. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Right. So it's a very, it's a really good service. It's if you want to read comics digitally and these comics you can only read digitally right now. It's a really good way to do it. Now and just they're gotta... absolutely fantastic. I had a problem with it. Comicsology on my iPad. I tweeted. I was like, Comicsology, why you no work? <laughs> and Comicsology within like thirty seconds was like, what's the problem? And was like wow. on there right away to help me. Fantastic customer service. Yay. Very cool. So that's um, our recap of Comic-Con. Obviously, that's not everything that happened, not even close, mm-hmm. but that was our best to try to get through it in, uh, some, with some sort of... Uh, timely fashion. Yeah, some sort of <laughs> timely fashion. So we're going to take a little break. We're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about our favorite female characters and creators in comics. <gasps> yeah, we are. All right, we are back. And to celebrate our Women in Comics Week here at Talking Comics, we're going to be talking all about female characters, female creators, just having a nice conversation about um, the awesome ladies who are in this industry. Um, And we've all done, well, Bob, myself, and Steve have done lists. That was not proper grammar, but I'm not worried about it right now. Um, Close enough. (laughs) Do it again. So we're not going to recount just a top 10 list here because we don't want to, you know, double up on the things that we're saying. But. We'll definitely mention some of the characters that we talked about there and some other characters that we didn't. And you'll be able to hear Stephanie's 
characters because we haven't even come close to hearing that yet. So that'll yeah. be that'll be nice to hear. Um, so before we get into specific characters, when you're looking at a female character or any character, what's the thing that makes it one of your favorite characters? And what are the characteristics that you love? I mean, Steve, what about you? Because I think you have very particular things that you love. I. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, no, I mean, I you know, I I love women in comics in in all iterations. Um, they're my favorite characters. The I was trying I was trying to get this across in my in my list, but I failed miserably. That I would probably say that about seventy to eighty percent of my personal comics collection is based around female characters. Um, I find them more endearing. I find them funnier than male characters. Um, a lot of the times I find that male characters are involved in pissing contests, that there's just, it's muscles, it's guns, it's action, which if you're in the mood for that thing, it's fine. But that's not really my bag. Like, I like to laugh. Um, one of the things that we'll probably be talking to Kelly Sue about, and one of the things I'm finding in books recently that I've been reading stuff like World's Finest, or a while back, I talked about an issue of Batgirl. I think it was Batgirl number 14 of the Stephanie Brown series where uh, her and Supergirl, um, they bring Dracula out of yeah, a... Yeah, that was a great issue. Yeah, it's such a... The, the it com- was movie night, right? Right, yeah. right. There's the, the, the camaraderie, like the best friends angle that they give, the, the playful banter between the two of them. Um, I just find it so much more enjoyable to read. Um, when I read, I like to have fun. I mean, I like to, you know, I, there are times where I like to sit down and think and be. This is the guy away. who lo- who loves Monocyte. Yeah, <laughs> what? it's a blast. <laughs> it is. Did you read it? I haven't read it yet. I've read the first issue. Yeah, it's very dark. Yeah, it's very dark. It's very dark. It's yeah. very, it's very, you know, evocative. And, it is. It is. And it all is. that. Yeah. But I also like to, you know, sit down and mm-hmm. and laugh a bit. Um, Captain Marvel coming out funny like i like i like i like funny books mm-hmm. i like funny characters yeah and the the females are just they're they're always more tragic rogue for example rogue can't you can't touch anyone mm-hmm. i mean she takes their powers she weakens the people that she loves there's there's always some kind of tragedy that's that's attached to the majority of the of the ones that i read and um like i said i just i I identify with them more. I'm a, I'm a pretty emotional guy. You know, I've been through a lot of stuff and I've, I've just found a lot more identity in, in who they are in these books than these guys that are just, you know, get the job done action man. And they're just, you know, running into blazing buildings and shit like that. Like not my ass. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. None of us here. We'll, we'll, no, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a 143-pound <laughs> nothing. And um, I don't know. I just, like I said, I as strange as it sounds, I identify with them more. They they entertain me. I love them more. And I just think they're better characters. I don't think it sounds strange at all. And uh, I will say this, and this is going to be in my list, and it's either up while you're reading this or it'll be up soon in my interesting paragraph I talk about the fact that I, I, I tend to like the fact that I don't think writers are as afraid to make female characters vulnerable as they are to make male characters vulnerable and that's not to say that male characters are any less vulnerable in real life than females are it's just it seems like they have that kind of 
inhibition taken away from them when they're writing female characters. I mean, if you look at my favorite character of all time, which is Spider-Man, like he's all about those things. He's all about yes. being vulnerable. And that's why he's one of my favorite characters, because I identify with the way that he's feeling. He does extraordinary things, but he doesn't always feel like he's going to make it out or that he's doing the right thing. And that's what I love about that character. My thing about any character is I don't like when a character is defined by one thing. You know, I don't like a character who, uh, you know, if it, whether it's male, female, gay, you know, black, white, whatever, it's not about that part of you. It's about who you are as a character, you know? And I think the statement, you know, we talked about the statement that, uh, that people think that, you know, young boys won't read a book with the girls in it because I can't identify with it. But I, I think that a young boy can identify, whether he realizes it or not, you know, can identify much more with someone like Batgirl than with a genius scientist who becomes a giant green rage monster when he's angry, you know? It just yeah. comes to the fact that you have to be like, really look at this character. And yes, a 12-year-old boy is going to be like, I don't want to read a book with a girl. You know, but you have to move past that. You're, you're and, not, and you're also not 12 forever. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Steve, you want to say something? Yeah. I just, one, one thing that I, I forgot to mention was that I like that the, not to say that all female characters are vulnerable. They're not. No, they're but not. But when they are, it makes the, it makes their triumph so much more gratifying than if it was coming from a male character for but, me. But that's because that's not how, it's because I think male characters are written with a shorter sight to them. Yeah. You, you know, to me, it doesn't matter. A woman is not more vulnerable than a man. People are vulnerable. Right. So when you write any character that's not vulnerable, it doesn't make sense to me. Right, but the tendency yes. is, is to make them out to be a little bit more vulnerable yes, than the absolutely, male characters. Absolutely. Which, which makes them more human. It's those layers mm-hmm. that right. maybe a writer isn't going to give to Superman. Yeah. Because, well, he's Superman. He can do what he wants. Where you give that same problem to Wonder Woman, all of a sudden it's, oh, she's got to deal with mm-hmm. the emotional side of this issue. It's not just, who can I beat up? It should I beat this person up? Should I right. take a step back, think about what these uh, ramifications are going to be? Yeah. And so, you know, the three of us are talking about this, and we're three guys. So, Stephanie, you know, we're yeah. Full of shit. <laughs> Stephanie, what do you think about this? What do you look for in characters? Um, well... It's a whole bunch of things that I want to see when I'm reading a story about a female character. I mean, first of all, I don't want the story to be about some bimbo who doesn't know, you know, her left foot from her right. Um, I, I just want a story about something real and something, you know, again, like what Steve said, relatable. And for all the powers that they have and all the, you know, shenanigans that they get into... <laughs> the end of the day it's what you know it's it's whether or not i can relate to them again it's very much what steve said but um i know a lot about the ladies yeah you do (laughs) what i gotta stop saying that (laughs) anyways but yeah it's these characters just has to be interesting i mean if they are going to be a bimbo fine but at least make it a funny story a fun story an interesting story and, you know, at least make fun of that character, not to a horrible extent, but, you know, have fun with it. Or do something like The Pro. Exactly. Where, yeah. That is a really raunchy story. And it's, but it, it's, so, it's, it's so fun, so great, and such an interesting, again, albeit raunchy, twist on a superhero. And hilarious. Tale. 
Pardon me? It's hilarious. It is hilarious. Um, and it's, again, anyone who hasn't read it, it's uh, Garth Ennis, and it's yeah, pretty and I mean, fantastic about um, a superhero, but um, the Martians, these aliens, give superhero powers to a prostitute. Yes. And, um, you know, it's one of these things where what would somebody who is very morally ambiguous, what would they do with superpowers? And it's great. It's just great. And that's one of those cases where it's still a strong character, but they're poking a lot of fun at the genre and not like to the point where you're annoyed with it, but yeah, it's in a fun way. Well, it's taking mm-hmm. it's taking like a um, I guess a social stigma of I guess prostitution in general that everybody has a, a preconceived notion about these people and what they do for a living. That you take a person like that and then you gift them with the ability to be heroic if they choose. It's a really interesting. It's a really interesting. Uh, I guess character for even for women in comics. It's like a, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry. I think, I think it could be um, at face value kind of looked at as a bit offensive, but I, I, I think it's not supposed to be taken seriously. It's well, just no, absolutely fun. Well, not. Well, there's it's, the thing. If you're having fun with it, you can use all those tropes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned on this show months and months back, Empowered. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is the same sort of, let's have fun with the conventions of superheroes, turn it on its head, a character who thinks she's terrible at it, and finds herself the continual damsel in distress. It could be thought of as completely exploitative, but the tone of it becomes so funny and interesting. It's, okay, it's gentle. Despite all the crazy stuff going on, it's, it's a very gentle book. And it's, again, it's about layers. It's, it's finding right. a, a new way to tell that story again. The, the, and, sorry, oh, Stephanie, go ahead. No, go ahead, Stephanie. I was just going to say, I, again, just sort of speaking as a woman who reads comics, um, I find most of my sort of role models, I mean, I'm 25, but, you know, we all need role models at any age. We all need people to look up to and to kind of not maybe idolize, but, you know, you, well, I guess we'll just use idolize for now. Idolize is good. <laughs> but, you know, there's not that many female characters that, I mean, in movies and stuff like that in TV, that women can really look up to and yes. kind of be like, wow. That's such a great character. There's more coming in like in the last decade or so. But for me, I read comics and I rely on those comics to introduce me to women that I could aspire to be like. Mm -hmm. Well, we we go back, you know, we spoke to Trina who will all heal on on Friday. Friday. And and guys, if you're listening to this, you don't know who Trina Robbins is, listen on Friday to the podcast that comes out because she is a delightful person and has a ton of insight. For you guys, you're going to want to have tea with, with Tina. Her. With <laughs> yeah. Tina. And, uh, you're going yeah. to want her to come back on the show. Is what you're going to want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She was amazing. She's great. But, but when when the things like Wonder Woman were created in the '40s, specifically to address the gap that was all male superheroes, uh, it was to give young girls something to aspire to, and the '40s were sort of filled with that. And as we drifted through it turned more into damsels in distress and characters who are being kidnapped and beat up and whatever and then we get through the 90s and it got then that plus boobs sorry 
Uh, and, and it got worse and worse and worse. Oh, and I agree with you, Stephanie. I think there, especially in the indie books, there are a lot of interesting things happening now. <laughs> I love that whenever somebody says boobs on this show, they look at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're talking well, about them. Boobs aside, I think I it's, um, I mean, comics, even for little boys, you know, they see these female characters and that could be their mom. I don't understand yes. why, like, male executives and whoever editors just don't do more characters because, like, to me, when I was a little kid, you see all these grown-ups and there are people that, you know, oh, I wish this person was my big sister. Oh, I wish that person was my mom or, you know, whatever. And to me, like, there's a lot of stigma around little boys and their mothers. Like, you know, you have, like, mommies, like, whatever, Sure. Mama boys, mom, mom, whatever, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm Bobby, Bobby and I are both looking time. across the table. <laughs> it's just funny, her terminology. Mommy's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, boys. Like, I mean, these characters can be someone for them to look up to and female role models for them to look up to as well. Like, I, I don't see how they could be exclusive to girls and girls only. And they're not. I mean, that's, and that's the thing. That's just companies saying that is them just taking – the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, they look know. at their own sales numbers and say, oh, I'll just we'll well, sell you... to these people as opposed to the growing their own line through. Right. And they also don't look at the reasons why things are that way. I mean, if, you know, if you have characters that have, you know, breasts the size of what no human being could have and a waist <laughs> smaller than any human being could have, if they had those size breasts, yes. you know, that's disrespectful. There's nothing right. wrong with to half the audience right. to start with. It's disrespectful, I think, to the whole audience because that's uh, that's that's you know occurring to the lowest common denominator. We're just saying if this is what you actually believe, you know, women look like, like you're ridiculous. Like that's like that's such an immature thing to think about. Mm-hmm. It's also the the fact that I, I don't want to see somebody who doesn't look realistic to me. I, I don't like. How are we supposed to fantasize about that? Well, I'm, I'm by, sorry. I'm go, no, 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 no. I thought we were go, alone. Go, <laughs> go buy an adult magazine, right? Perhaps, or even an adult well, comic wouldn't be as bad as tarting up as you've abandoned Catwoman. I have. Yeah, I was actually. Yeah. Go ahead, Stephanie. Please, you, you speak to this more than I can. Go Do ahead, please. Thing. Well, I was just going to say simply to DC and to people like that. You know, girls aren't not reading comics, you know, because they suck or like, I mean, they not because they don't read them, but Catwoman, I'm not reading Catwoman because Catwoman right now is stupid. It's not because, you know, it's not a great character. It's because Judd Winnick sucks at writing her. Yeah, he does. You know, <laughs> like it has nothing whatsoever about the fact that I don't read comics. I do read comics. I just read the good ones. <laughs> well, we have a bunch of, um, female readers that follow us and talk to us every day. Yeah. You know, they don't like that shit either. No, they don't. And it's absolutely true. I mean, and I will say this, Catwoman, it's funny because it's the outlier, I feel like, in the in the Bat family of books, especially right now, because I think in general, they're one of the more respectful, realistic portrayals of women. I mean, Batwoman is a an in-shape yes. woman, but she does not look like... I feel like I could know that person. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. I could if a person who spent that much time getting in shape and learning to do the things she does. I could see that person a- on the street. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Barbara Gordon. I feel like I could I could know yeah. that person. But they've got incredible storylines going on. Yeah. Bat- Batwoman has been very very dark mm-hmm. and very very good. I mean, she's going after spiritual enemies. She's trying to find uh, missing children and all this stuff. 
And it's just, she's a very, she was on my list. She's a very, very powerful character. She's militant. She's a representative of the, you know, the gay and lesbian community. And she's just, she's a badass. Yeah. She's an absolute badass. She's a strong role model. And like the whole readers of the, I'm a prime example of a guy that purposefully seeks out the female characters. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me that guys aren't going to identify with these characters or want to read them. It's bullshit. Yeah. And what you were yep. going back to what you were saying about like our female fans. I mean, I've been working with Bill Willingham for a while now and going to conventions and you know, I sit with him at his signings and at his booth. And like Fables is a story that anyone can read and anyone can enjoy, but he has so many female fans and it's because his characters are so strong and especially the women characters. He doesn't just play them off as damsels in distress. As many of them are played off in their original, you know, stories. And it's fantastic to see these women all lining up. Like, there's just so many of them at the signings. It's really amazing to see and hear how they got into comics through, you know, like, fables. And hear them talk about other comics that they've gotten into because of that. And, you know, that sort of thing. The mainstream books, unfortunately, are not being uh, as embracing is the only word I can come up with. And they're almost being exclusively the boy fandom. They know that their readership's 93% male, whatever, and they go with that. But all those unattached readers that you could grab by doing the characters properly, giving people role models and and strong uh, just storylines ju- just presented properly and yet they decide i don't know is it a mandate from the companies that they decide well we do this this way and we can't be bothered that's for the indie books I don't, i'm not sure what's going on we'd have well, to get into the offices to know i guess getting away from indie books dc has a great example of strong female characters in jeff lemire's animal man series with buddy baker's wife and daughter um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, they're kind of, you know, sort of a sidebar to stories like Batwoman and Batgirl and all that stuff. But I think they're a really great example of how strong female characters can be in books, even in roles that are not necessarily um, the front runner kind of thing. Yeah, that, and that's a great point. I mean, the the importance of family in that book and the strength that comes from both the mother and from the little like six-year-old child little wing wing in that book is astounding that's that's a great call on that one yeah i'm surprised that i didn't have that uh maybe not on my list but definitely an honorable mention she's incredible yeah i mean she hasn't had a whole like i'm not through the whole i'm not caught up on animal man yet but Mm -hmm. so far they've both been such incredible characters to me and Jeff Lemire's done such a great job of writing it, and I'm going to say that the fact that he's married and has children definitely plays into that as well, and he seems to write characters almost maybe how he sees them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I mean, if you look at all his work, you know, um, we just both read The Underwater Welder, and Mm -hmm. you look at Sweet Tooth, even books that don't even have as big a female presence, when female characters are in those books... They're extremely important and extremely defining of the tenor and tone of what's happening. You know, there's a character in Sweet Tooth which much of who he is is defined by, 
you know, the woman he was with before this event that happened in Sweet Tooth. And that's a great point. Yeah, he, he obviously has a great respect uh, for women and, and stuff like that. Even so, uh, Gus's friend in, the, in Sweet Tooth yeah. is treated with a lot of respect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whenever she's been in danger, it's been a top priority. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so those kind of our general feelings on characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we talked about some characters there. We talked about Batwoman. We talked a little bit about Batgirl. You know, I just wanted to maybe talk about some other characters you guys were big on. Bob, why don't you just... Okay. Uh, well, sitting on the top of my little pile over here is something that Trina Robbins, who you'll hear about uh, in a day or so, that I came across. It's a book that she started about 10 years ago called, called Go Girl with Ann Timmons, who's drawing it. <laughs> um, it's this teenage girl. She's in high school. Her mom was a superhero in the 70s called Go Go Girl. It is charmingly done. It is young girls doing school stuff. But we have, you know, Lindsay here is the name. And long before there was Lindsay Lowen, she was Lindsay here, apparently, um, who discovers her mom's scrapbooks and old costumes. And they do fun stuff, but superhero stuff. And it's emotional and wonderful. This is the kind of thing, unfortunately, it nearly didn't get published because there weren't enough pre-orders for it. Mm-hmm. And Image decided to do the thing, but in black and white, and then it got reprinted eventually by Dark Horse. It's the kind of thing that would be a great entry level for you know teenage girls, but it's the kind of thing that I had to search this out. I was in the city last week and found it in you know Midtown Comics. It's, oh, it's buried on the back shelf somewhere. I had to go ask, kind of. Um, I recommend it highly. And she actually made my top... I have a top 50 list because I'm a <laughs> list maker... Maniac. Yeah, you are. But it just found its way onto the bottom of the list. Well, thank you very much. Stephanie's quietly singing Maniac. You'd think even much if you could see me. Maybe Steve will take a picture. I figured this was a vent. I, so have, wearing, I have a good picture of you. I can take a picture. Tonight, I'll, I'll take one of you right now. I, I'm wearing a tuxedo. Yeah. It being an event. <laughs> it's Bob's event tuxedo. Yes, I mean, why not? He usually wears. Um, you know, and... And that's a that's a really great one. That's also great, Bob, because I don't think a lot of people know what that book is. You know, there's a lot of characters out there too, and you know, we, we don't want to get negative mm-hmm. very much. And this is the negative in the way that people are drawn. But you know, for all, I think I feel like for a long time in comic books, you know, most of the female characters were either you know the girlfriend, aka the damsel in distress. Right. You know, and so you look at a lot of the supporting characters who have been changed over the years and shaped in different ways. But you look at someone like Mary Jane, who has become something much different at this point. You know, she's a proactive yes. character, but or Aunt May as well. You know, we're also become a proactive character, especially in the Ultimate Universe, who started out as characters that were pretty much just there for the hero to save when he needed a mm-hmm. storyline. And I'm glad that we have gotten away from that in a, in a, in a lot of ways. You know, like you look at someone like Lois Lane, who would would probably never be on any list that I would ever make. No. You know, I have no problem with Lois Lane, but the fact that she's so obsessed with the idea of figuring out who Superman yeah. is, it's a problem is a little bit ridiculous to me. Okay. Like she has no other pursuits in her life except for that one thing. In the real world, we'd call that a stalker and she'd have a restraining. Order. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. Now I know she's on Steve's list, certainly on mine and may end up on yours. Uh, Susan Storm Richards, whose career because of the length of it, passes through all these eras to the point once you get to John Byrne and now Jonathan Hickman, where it's now we went from damsel in distress through fully evolved, mature right. 
wife and mother, leader of the team, powerful superheroine. That's you know that's where it goes, and we we like to hope that new characters would fall into that and less into, you know, Lady Death. Yeah, absolutely. Which there are still unfortunately those characters wandering about as you see the shelves. Not yeah. to not to be negative, yeah. but they're there. <laughs> yes, they absolutely are. And I'll say this: my kind of my kind of pop culture uh, idea was formed, you know. Probably you know, around the age 12, 13, that age is usually mm-hmm. the age it starts to happen. And that was around the same time that um, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer premiered on the WB. Okay. And there is actually, I'll say this, this is quite honestly, probably nothing in my viewing life that has shaped the way that I think creatively more than that show. Uh, I, you know, it, it to me is, you know, it, to me in my head, it's the way I would love to be able to write. You know, and it formed a lot of those ideas for me, and that, at its core, has an incredibly strong female protagonist mm-hmm. who still went through vulnerability. She, you know, she fell in love, she got hurt, but she always persevered. And that character's obviously been running in comics now for a lot of years. And I think that the fact that that character gets to live on in comic books is quite wonderful. And that whole book is filled with really strong female characters. So. Uh, that's absolutely one of the things I think that kind of changes the way I think about when I, when I get, you know, I'm 29 now. And mm-hmm. um, when I look at books, you know, when I see f- characters that don't have the same, not even physical abilities, just the same kind of mental toughness that a character like that has, mm-hmm. I kind of think of them as lesser characters for whatever reason, but that's because that kind of shaped the way that I think in a lot of ways. Sure. Well, again, it's about those layers. I want, I want a character that's able to, and it's male and female, to be able to address a an emotional situation emotionally and appropriately, but to be tough when necessary, and those it's not hard to do that incorrectly. And unfortunately, there's quite a lot of screaming memes and <laughs> and, and and then way too tough male and female characters. It's about violence, mm-hmm. and it isn't always about that. Sometimes, yeah. Not always. There needs to be a leavening. Yeah. And I don't, I don't just want... Also, I don't want a character that just acts like a guy but happens to be a girl. Well, way know? too much of that. You yeah. know, that's... While that's probably better than someone who's completely weak and always damsel in distress, it's still lazy way of writing. It's just mm-hmm. writing a character one way and then switching the gender. You know, there are differences in the genders, and that's what makes it so great when those characters are written correctly. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Stephanie, why don't you? That's my amazing contribution. Why don't you give us some <laughs> characters? Here, no, I just I'm sitting here. I just really quick. I'm sitting here thinking about Catwoman okay. still, and the fact that she, spoiler, she sleeps with Batman in the first couple in the first issue. Yeah, actually, and then as we move into the second arc. She's, you know, shacking up with another dude and spends about two or three issues pushing her tits into the panels and talking about boning them and all this stuff. And I'm just I'm sitting here looking at at Bob's list and people were were mailing me and saying that they were surprised that Catwoman didn't make it into my top 10. And not that the character's marred for life. But this iteration of, of Catwoman has severely, severely damaged her character. I don't think I really even realized it until I made this list of just how far gone her she is. They would need a miracle to bring her back. Oh, they just need 
a different writer, writer and artist. And a, di- and a different artist. Well, they're artist. changing yeah. the writer, but they're not changing the artist. So They need but to change the artist. Catwoman Zero. That's Fuck that book, man. That, that they need wonderful to... cover of Catwoman yeah, Zero yeah, yeah. that we talked about I a know, couple yeah, weeks yeah. ago. They need to change writer, though, sorry, the no. artist. Yeah. They Both. The whole, the, whole, the whole thing needs to go. <laughs> Look, and you could do the Catwoman-Batman romance thing. It's been done before within the books. You can do romance within between characters in the books. I've been meaning to bring up on the show for a while. It's Fantastic Four 254. Randomly. <laughs> it's in the middle of John Byrne's run. They're in the negative zone. Sue and Reed, they're waiting for information from some nabob who runs whatever negative zone planet they're on. Sue turns to Johnny and Ben and says, why don't you guys go disappear for an hour? Hmm. <laughs> couple of pages of them away we cut back to reed and sue embracing kissing ah with with her stretching ability with with her saying it is really nice with all this going on you could still make time for your wife no and he says well of course i would because you're the person i love and we have a child and they embrace some more and the boys go in and cover their eyes because they're like (laughs) you know 12 even when they're not that's how you do that yeah not Cat suit zipped down and s- straddling his naughty bits. Strewn about. <laughs> yeah, it's just wrong. That and Selena Kyle's supposed to be more empowered than that. Yes. Yeah, Stephanie. What are some characters that you love? Um. Well, the first one, I, actually, I have two of them from um, Brian K. Vaughn's series Runaways. Um, and the first one's Molly Hayes, who is, uh, if you haven't read the series, a child and. She has, like, super, super strength. And she's this great character that, you know, in it, like, runs away with all these sort of misfit children and um, is kind of the youngest and needs to be looked after. But at the same time, she doesn't really need to be looked after. This girl, mm. like, gets in a fight with the Punisher and wins. <laughs> That's but, pretty amazing. <laughs> um, they, they give her these incredible powers, but then they also keep her very innocent in the sense that after she uses her powers... She has to take a nap. <laughs> and it's just so great. Um, she's one of my favorite female characters of all times. So strong, and yet Brian K. Vaughn, while writing her, still managed to keep her so childlike and just so innocent. And um, she's one of my favorite characters. Um, I won't say too much about Carolina, but Carolina Dean, also from Runaways, is another one of my favorite characters. And she's a great character not only because, you know, She's awesome. She's got superpowers and all of that shenanigans. But she she's also a great character for the LGBT community because, you know, she's a lesbian. And um, she's just fantastic and so well-written. Um, as you know, I love Stephanie Brown mm-hmm. a lot. So great. You are Stephanie her. Brown. What? <laughs> Sorry, Steve? You said you are Stephanie Brown. Aww. Those first few issues, no. no, it's a compliment, but still, when I read those first few issues and I was texting you, I was like, dude, it's you. <laughs> Just like when I opened up Scarlet Spider yeah. and before before Kane cut his hair, I was like, nobody told me I was in a comic book. <laughs> it just like that guy. She's Without just the so great. I, I love how, um, again, going back to what sort of draws us to characters to begin with, but she's this great combination of funny and strong and but she's also like this massive fuck up at the same time. She remains very relatable um, while kicking ass. And waffles, guys. Waffles? <laughs> it's her thing. 
Oh. She loves waffles. Is that is, is that really her thing? Because I don't remember that, and I just read that stuff. That's a pretty it's big her deal. and her mom. Like, her and her mom always have waffles. Like, that's their, their thing together. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. They have them in the morning because, like, her mom works at the hospital, and when she's home, they try and do mother-daughter time and do waffles. <laughs> See, you can relate to that, Steve. I can. I have waffles probably four days a week. <laughs> and pancakes the other four three. Days, pancakes, omelets. I made a... Bagel with sausage, eggs, and cheese today. It was delicious. Nice. No one um, cares. <laughs> but, you know, speaking of more female characters and not so much breakfast foods, um, probably the very first female character I ever fell in, like, in love with as a character was X-Men, the animated series Rogue. Yeah. Um, that accent, so saucy. <laughs> um, Can you do it? Sh- Whoa. Can you do it? Can you impersonate her? Oh, no, I can't. I'm terrible with accents. Oma's like the only one I can really, you know, get. (laughs) You can try. Do you want to try? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) But, I mean, like you said, she's so vulnerable. She can't touch anybody. And yet she's just such a a great character. So strong. Um, I mean, she has such a strange and... Interesting past, and um, yeah, she was probably the first character that made me want to go and read the comics because I hadn't read X Men comics before I saw the show, and yeah. I went back and got into them because of how much I loved Rogue. Yeah, she's constantly stepping up to the plate too. That's another thing that I love about her character is that if there's shit going down, she always comes forward and takes the lead when somebody's not able, and she's like, "I will get this done." Yeah, and mm-hmm. she does. I mean, I feel like the movies really fucked her up in the sense that, like, a lot of the comic book movies, um, the comic books afterwards, that came afterwards, were really based on the movies because people want to be like, oh, this X-Men movie, I wonder what the comics are like, so... Well, she was a kid in the com- in the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but they, they did stuff mm-hmm. like that. They really altered the character, I felt like, after that. Um, and, I mean... what. What's her name in the comics? Anne-Marie? 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 Yeah, I think so. Anyways, but she was never called that before. Like, no. never. She was just rogue. rogue. <laughs> and, and then not a good movies, person like, early on got, either. Pardon, sorry? Not a good person early on either. She gets her powers by stealing them. Yes, from Miss Marvel. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's correct. Um, but, like... She just was forever altered to me after the movies. Like, I, I think we've talked about this before, but in the X-Men movies, she was essentially Jubilee. Yeah, in a like, lot of ways, she yeah. was, yes. And nobody um, likes her. Just, nobody likes Jubilee. Oh, my God. What the hell's the point? Remember Dazzler from the X-Men arcade game? Fireworks out of your hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. She's like the, her only purpose is, you know, party girl on 4th of July. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guys. Who's the cool one now? <laughs> But I mean, outside of Jubilee, the X Men have a lot of good female characters. They you know, do. Jean Grey. Jean Grey. I know who, that was yes. on Bob's list. Yeah, absolutely. Emma Frost. She's awesome. Emma Frost, absolutely. Storm. Kitty. Uh, Kitty Pride, who I love. I love Kitty Pride. Psylocke. Yeah, Psylocke. Yep. And another one, yes, absolutely. She's had an interesting history. She's Captain Britain's sister. She or at least her. she was. She and is. Now she's, um, well, she yeah, is. But, but now she's Asian. Another but character she still, that, um, yeah. that I love that I didn't get to put on my list was uh, X-23. I dig her a lot. Uh-huh. Um, Marjorie uh, Liu did a really, really, really good job uh, with, her, with her character with some stuff. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
I've also been digging, like, since we, uh, I've been digging X Factor a lot as well. And uh, Polaris and yes. Banshee and that Mon- whole gang. Monet. Yeah, they ha- have a really exceptional, exceptional <laughs> words. <laughs> but, yeah. Exceptional cast of females. Peter, Peter David's very good at writing ladies. There are a couple of his characters on my list. His version of Supergirl. Uh, which was not the Kryptonian survivor, but was a Lex Luthor-created clone matrixy thing, yet raised by the Kents, who took over sort of the Linda Danvers identity, was vulnerable and charming and tried to do the right thing in a very bad environment. She lived in a place that was sort of like Sunnydale, where a lot of really bad mystical things were going on, and she ended up in some ways, that was his fallen angel character. He took it to the next step. Someone who is now standing at the verge of everything coming to an end and how to fix it. And we're, we're in some limbo purgatory place. He's very good at that. I'm glad you picked up on X Factor. That's one of my favorite books every, every I, month. Yeah, now. I've been reading it for quite a while now and enjoying it and looking forward to it week after week. So I'm glad you I turned get me on to it. Yeah, um, I also started reading Supergirl, that specific run of it as well. And I'm only a couple issues in, but I plan to, you know, read it all. The New 52 run, Stephanie? No, no, nope. sorry. The one that uh, Bob was Peter's talking about. Oh, Peter's back, run yeah. on it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, another book has a lot of good strong female characters. The book Steve and I love a lot, Journey into Mystery. Oh, God. Um, oh. Leah, his kind of like compatriot, Loki's compatriot. So good. Is a really great character. Really strong. Really funny. Um, you know, Asgard obviously has a lot of good, strong female characters. Yeah. Uh, Sif is a great character. I and, love uh, Hela. Hela. Oh, yeah, Hela Hela's is great. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to be talking to Kelly Sudakonik, you know, tomorrow. Obviously, you're going to hear that interview. And she did a one-shot with Sif that's really, really great. And, yeah, that book also, that, that book is great for that. And, uh, I mean, I think on somewhere on your list, Bob, is Valkyrie, right? Yeah, we were going to start to get into the – she was a bad girl to start with because mm-hmm. um, she's the enchantress initially. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, she turns up in Avengers. Um, I think it's eighty-three, um, and it's she, she convinces the female members of the Avengers to turn bad as part of the Lady Liberators, <laughs> and they kick the crap out of the male Avengers. But the females have been playing her. They kind of knew what was going on, and then eventually the Valkyrie would turn up as a full-fledged character, as a personality that would get. Uh, sort of layered on to somebody else. And at this point, as I, I knew her most for the Defenders where through the 70s where there was just such a great character. Yeah. But that sort of bad turn to good. I've got a couple of the Thunderbolts on my list, uh, Songbird and Moonstone, who were both very bad people. And Moonstone never quite got over being a bad person. <laughs> she was a Hulk villain for years and years, actually a psychiatrist, sort of like Harley was, but way before. And... Just found this, it's sort of one of those eternity gem kind of things where it gives her all this power, and she's always manipulating and always working behind the scenes. And Songbird, whose original identity was Screaming Mimi, literally, and that was her power as a sound-based thing, has embraced being a hero. And it's that sort of growth that we, we see, I hate to say, more often in the female characters where they're allowed to, as opposed to, the, as Steve was saying, action man. Yeah. Action. It, right. yeah. <laughs> See, you have to say it that way. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. It's that Leave sort everything of, to me. Yeah. No, these characters stop to think, 
and for good or bad, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of times. Do we have any other favorite villains, female villains, that might make this list for anybody here? Villains. I man. mean, I think Enchantress. You mentioned Enchantress before. Yeah. She's a great villain. She's cool too. Oh, she's yeah. on my list. Yeah. I mean, you can run through some of the Batman stuff. Obviously, I mean, Poison, Poison Ivy, Ivy is a is a great yep. villain. And I mean, obviously Harley Quinn, who Steve yep. loves quite a bit, oh. <laughs> is is a great she's female so character. She's so funny. She is very funny. Yeah. She's very funny, and she's so she's so like attached to the Joker. I love her unreal, her undying love for him. As much as he treats her like crap, she never gives up on him, and I love that about her character. I think it's very endearing, very cute. Yeah. Did we forget Catwoman is a villain. Yeah. Yeah. Started that way mm-hmm. all the way back in Batman 1. She's, Batman in, the, she's, she's in the litter box yeah. with me right now. She's got a, okay. you know. Well, I'll pimp it again, but if you like that trio, Gotham Girls, guys. Look up Gotham Girls. Oh, yeah. Yo, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have all those. They're great. <laughs> I won't get that. into it because we've talked about yeah, it a few po- times. But Poison Ivy is another well, great talking, female yeah. villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think of anyone else at the moment of female villains. I'm sure it will, it will come to you. But I'm sure well, Bob I'm sure, has well, uh, Medusa, who's one of the Inhumans, begins Inhumans, as yeah. one of the Frightful Four. And that's part of a basically two-and-a-half-year storyline that Stan told, that we, you saw her as bad, but she had no memory. They just found her on the street somewhere. The bad guy said, well, you've got this hair, and you can do stuff. You can be with us. We, mm-hmm. We're going to beat up the Fantastic Four. And she was not really thrilled and as as the months went on all of a sudden it was like johnny lets her go what what, what did you do that for well i don't know exactly why there's something about her and then you start to get the backstory and she's part of this whole family of other characters and then her sister crystal and again it's it's about having a character with depth mm-hmm. Ooh, here's a good one sorry go mystique oh, oh yeah that's a good one I forgot all about Mystique. How could I forget Mystique? She is evil. She is quite evil. Um, I mean, there's obviously, a, you know, we have the characters in the Spider-Man universe. Like, I mean, Black Cat's not a great example of a, a good female role mm-hmm. model. Uh, she has some good moments, but she sometimes is very um, hypersexualized in the way that she's treated. Yeah. Um, but, Came I mean, up very nicely in Defenders recently. Yeah, absolutely. And she was very good in that. And also her use in the Mark Wade. uh two-parter between Amazing and yes. Daredevil. Very good in that as well. Um, Spider-Woman is a, is a great character. Spider, the Jessica Drew version. Yeah. Yes. And then, of course, Spider-Girl, who I know that oh, you I love. I love uh, Spider-Girl. Um, I wrote about it briefly uh, for my list. It's actually Marvel's longest-running solo female character, even though it got, in the sort of Star Trek way, saved four times by letter-writing campaigns, canceled, put in uh, anthology books. It's the daughter of Peter and Mary Jane in an alternate future 20 years out. Peter's retired because he's lost his leg in battle with, I forget who, at this point. Killer Croc. Might have been. No, because Killer Croc's a DC character. That's not actually, don't. (laughs) Whatever. It could have been. It's an alternate future. Um, It's the the introduction of Kane, who, or, or his later period, but we see him there first, I guess. Um, she, part of the, it was the A next or, or M next where you end up with a, a new group of Avengers, a second generation and all these sort of people moving in the American dream and the children of Thor and all sorts of stuff. And Mae Parker 
is just it's set back in high school she has friends and whatever and is trying very hard her parents are oh don't do this you can't do this web slinging thing Mm -hmm. and she also knows that with great power comes great responsibility and she goes out there and does this no matter what the cost to her personally yeah and she's out there and it's a shame the book kind of disappeared so many times it was just wonderfully retro but new when it spoke to grown-ups and kids anyone i recommend this book to fell head over heels in love and it sold you know twelve thousand copies a month <laughs> right and found itself in the drink people should read spider girl that's all i'm saying i mean i know we mentioned before kind of the bat family uh, of characters mm-hmm. and um you know huntress is another character who i've grown to love a lot over the last just the last yeah. couple yeah. months wow. you know and for for this week, I kind of did a little back reading on on both iterations of the Hunters, yeah. both Bertinelli, right? Is that her last name? Yeah, and, She's, that's the Earth one. Yeah, and you know Wayne, both Helena's. Yeah, and it's just I, I love the character in both incarnations. Obviously, the Bertinelli one is a little more uh, rough because <laughs> mm-hmm. she's from a very bad family, um, but it's she's. I love the characters. You know, there's it's the whole Batman thing, which is all their characters. They don't have powers. So they're all about persevering in situations that they can't have any really hope of you know, getting yep. out of. And they end up doing it by their smarts and their training. And that's part of you know, who Helena is. And I, I really, really love that about now, her. Oops, sorry. No, go no. ahead, Stephanie. I was done. Um, so what about non-superhero characters? Go ahead. Uh, no, I just want, was curious. No. Like We've mostly been talking about female superhero characters, yes. but... Well, I I tried we... to, just to jump in. I want figuring we were doing lead characters or villains, team members. I wanted to restrict it to that. If we went to supporting characters, we've got mounds of them. Well, do you mean uh, seventy? Are you meaning like non superheroes inside of like the big two books? Or are you talking about like indie? Stuff? In, in general, anywhere. Okay, I mean, okay, go for it. Non superhero. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned Buddy Baker's wife and daughter, but at the same time, they're sort of. Um, one of them sort of you know who's a side character um, but I know Steve added like a couple sort of non-superhero people to his yes, list but I, I was did. wondering if Bob Bobby if you guys had anything outside of DC and Marvel yeah I actually have a couple that um, I was considering I mean I love Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the world uh, Ramona Flowers it's not even mm-hmm. Ramona it's actually Knives is actually uh, Knives Chow Knives Chow yep. is the more impressive character to me in a lot of ways I mean I love Ramona and what guy doesn't love Ramona because she's kind of the manuf- dream girl Quintessential. You know, in a lot of ways yeah. but Knives is a really interesting character because she starts out as a character you don't really care about you know she's she's you feel sorry for her because she's this young girl who gets dumped by a guy who's you know, well, although he's a good person, is pretty insensitive sometimes and a little selfish. And you're like, oh, I feel bad for her. But you're kind of like, okay, so, but I like Ramona so much that I'm, a, whatever, knives get, whatever. And very easily, she could have become just a stepping stone character, but she becomes a character that sh- changes over the span of these, you know, these seven volumes to become really a character who is just as impressive as Ramona is. You know, and I love that about her character. Where, where at the end, you're like, well, who would I choose between Knives and Ramona? You know, and I, I love that about her. I would choose Knives. Okay. Personally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, there was somebody I was going to mention. Well, you have all your Lunar Brothers. Oh, God. Don't even, don't even get me started. <laughs> some, of the, some of the women in their comic books, uh, D- Dara Brighton, for one, from the, the lead character from The Sword, 
Um, to anybody listening to this podcast, if you can get your hands on the very first issue of The Sword and not immediately go out and buy the rest, I'd be very surprised. You want to talk about strength, you want to talk about perseverance, you want to talk about kicking ass. She is incredible, and the consequences, the known consequences of what she's doing throughout that story, how she knows it's all going to end, just makes her that much stronger as a character. Um, I Kill Giants, Barbara Thorson, my God. Like, that book, Bobby, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I Kill Giants, I know we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again. Extremely powerful book. Uh, Joe Kelly, if you, 10 bucks on Amazon, the whole thing, get it. It's always on there. It's always in stock. It is a powerful, powerful book. And she is an amazingly sarcastic, nasty little girl, but there's a reason. And it's the reason that made that that made her one of my favorite characters of all time. I have never had a character so quickly and only in one shot uh, get to me the way that she did. And uh, I was I was broken up. Yeah. At the end of mm-hmm. that, I really was. I had to like I put that book down, and for the rest of the night, I was just quiet. It was just like ah. In in the emotional sense, I think it's the best thing. I've read since we started doing this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, emotionally, it packed the most punch, and I connected with it more. You know, I'm I'm not a 14, 13 year old troublesome little girl, but there's such reality to that character that it really makes it very, very identifiable. She was also, I mean, I identified her with her to a degree as well. Her her attitude towards authority and her her attitude towards um, the teachers and everything and everybody questioning her attitude and her motives and uh her sanity for one thing keeps talking about giants there are no giants yeah you know there's no such thing as giants she's like well have you ever killed one because i fucking have (laughs) and if you haven't killed one then you don't know anything about it and she's just she's she's her conviction of of what she's doing in her spare time what she's seeking out is so strong that I believed her, and we talked about how you don't really know mm-hmm. what 110% what was going on in that book, and it just makes it better. It, it feeds your imagination. It's so good. Um, and just one quick mention for Marvel. Um, I've really been enjoying in um, Wolverine and the X-Men, uh, Warbird. Yeah. She's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. She is funny. The, way, <laughs> the Her stuff with Iceman, she's got this like little crush on him. And it's just it's funny. And she's and she's a badass. And she just and she's also got a sensitive side. She's a very well balanced side character that I've grown attached to in the series, and I would love to either find more stuff or see her become just be around more. Um the last issue of Wolverine and the X Men was pretty much her issue. And uh it was very good. Yeah. Totally. Well, all right, here's another question then. So We've been talking about before Watchmen lots. How do we all feel about the female characters in actual, just plain old Watchmen? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, uh, I, I have never... I, I think the female characters in Watchmen are some of the weakest characters mm-hmm. in the book. You know, I, I think that... I think Silk Spectre 1 is a very interesting female character in Watchmen. I always felt that Laurie was kind of uh, whatever... You know, I, she had some interesting aspects, but 
uh, you know, she's not the most fleshed out character in the world there. Um, yeah. I've already talked about how much I like the idea of the character of Silhouette, you know, but in Watchmen, she's barely a mention, you know, yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways. So. And we may be seeing more in Minutemen, but number two... Confused the living shit out of me in the last few really? pages. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. we'll get there for next week. Yeah, we'll maybe we'll talk about one. it next week. No, I agree with you. I wanted, I mentioned when, when the Silk Spectre 1 came out, I wanted more from that character, and I thought that we finally had some more. But they were just icing on the cake. Yeah. It was just sort of, oh, we have to have some girls in this group. Yeah. And not much happened. I mean, I don't think, I don't think anything Alan Moore writes, he's particularly great at writing women. I mean, mm-hmm. look at, he, you know, he hates the View for Vendetta movie where he's never seen it, he won't put his name on it. But the Natalie Portman character in Viva Vendetta is way better than the, the female characters in the Viva Vendetta yeah. you know, uh, graphic read, novel. Never read the graphic novel. The yeah. graphic novel's great. It's genius. Don't get me wrong, but they focus a lot on that female character in the movie, and she's wonderful. Steve, you are going to say something? I was. Do you remember what you are going to say? No. Okay, so we'll move <laughs> on then. <laughs> I'll say quickly, like the book I had a few weeks ago for um, my book of the week, Deviate by uh, Brian Wood, fantastic female characters. And just, again because there's so many to talk about, but like pretty well all the characters in Why the Last Man. Um, and Andrea from Walking Dead, the comic, not the movie, yes. are such great female characters. So just strong and kick-ass. I think, uh, Steve, you've read The Walking Dead as well, and you really yeah. enjoyed Andrea, yeah? Andrea is actually my favorite character in the series. Um, okay. And I did read, uh, not this has anything to do, I read number 100, but... Um, yeah, I plan on getting all caught up, but Andrea, um, I don't want to get into a whole conversation about the walking dead, but yes, um, she is a character that grows and, and grew to be, she like, she, she's one of those characters where you're watching a television show and you hate that character. Whenever they come on screen, you're like, ah, there she is, or there he is, you know, and they're going to be, they do their thing. I, I hate that guy. But as you go on, maybe next season or so. They start, it's one of those arcing characters where they start to kind of turn it around. Something happens to them. They become vulnerable. You see a different side of them and they grow on you. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're totally invested in them and you look forward to them coming onto the show. That's how Andrea's character was. I've read volumes one through 12 of The Walking Dead and she was, to me, the strongest character um, of that of that series. So... She takes care of business, and and I love her for it. So, kudos. Um, a couple of things before you know we if we get out of here. Uh, I will say this: I, actually, I don't think I ever read a page of her in a comic book, but I always loved the Amanda Waller character in the Justice League cartoon because she just didn't take any shit from anybody. Like she would call Bruce Wayne like rich boy and stuff, and I, I always loved that about that character. Um, this is not, it's funny because it's not really a fiction, it's more of a memoir, but Persepolis uh, is a fantastic graphic novel about, it's a kind of a, a girl's memoir about growing up in Iran, and it's amazing, and the character is amazing, it's, she's it's a real person, but still, it's just an astounding book. And I dissected the crap on it on JoeBlow.com. You did? Ah. <laughs> yeah, because they also made it into, a, into an excellent movie. Sorry. An excellent movie. Yes. Um, and I want to talk briefly. I want to get out here before we talk about this, but we talked about mentioned Stephanie Brown as Batgirl, and I don't want to leave without talking about Barbara Gordon. Uh, and for me, it's Barbara Gordon, either Oracle or Batgirl, either one. Um, to me, always kind of represents kind of the best. I think of what you can do with a 
with a woman in comics mm-hmm. because she's not. It's funny because she's super smart. You know, she's whip smart, and she's, you know, when she's Oracle, she's obviously not physically able to do things. But as Batgirl, she's extremely physically able to do things. But she has a compassion and a heart that's bigger than you know what Bruce has or Bruce shows in a lot of ways. And you know, Barbara's reason to become a superhero isn't it's not born really out of tragedy. You know, it's that's not what it's born out of. It's born out of just wanting to do the right thing. But right. with her dad as police commissioner, it, there's an example set for her. Sure. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that she transcends, you know, being male or female and she's just a person that you could look up to. You know, as a role model that it, she just she seems to even she makes mistakes and that's also good for a role model because it shows people that you know you make mistakes but it's like they said in you know Batman Begins it's not why do we fall you know to get back up you know to pull, so I and I love Batgirl mm-hmm. absolutely and and her version of it grown up with that the first time it, wow this is Batgirl though there were Batwoman Batgirl in the 50s that right. nobody really cared about they were in and out Oracle was just such a revelation here was this character that the first she didn't even see her was just the icon on the screen, just a sort of little head in, in a Suicide Squad issue. And as we move forward, and then start to assemble a team of, of superheroines, and just you're saying making mistakes, growing with those mistakes, the compassion she showed to the, the Black Canary and the Hunters moving forward, and Catwoman, everyone else she could bring in, and just brilliant character always moving forward, always trying to persevere, get past her own limitations. And sometimes even physically, she'd find a way through a fight, no matter what was going on, that she was trapped in this chair. And in some ways, it's really a shame they made her Batgirl again. It's fun to to read those, Hmm. but I much preferred Oracle. Hmm. Okay. Steve, you have any characters you want to mention before we uh, move on? Are we moving on or are we shoving off? <laughs> wow, well, we've been at it a while. Yeah, we have been a while. We haven't really mentioned many like uh, creators. Well, at that all. was that was my yeah, thing. But then I next... thought I could either run down yeah. my list or I thought just now maybe I could turn it into a post. You can do that. As, you can absolutely turn it into a post. I mean, if you guys want to run down some creators, we can do that. We don't have a lot of time. To well, can I just of... give like a shout out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's see. Uh, obviously, everybody, Gail Simone, mm-hmm. incredible. Yep. Okay. Um, I would like to uh, just say that I very much appreciated the work of Meredith Gran. She is the writer and the artist of the new uh, Adventure Time spinoff comic called Marceline and the Scream Queens. Um, even if you're not a fan of the show, this comic is awesome. It is all about the love of music and the live show and all of those funny little, like, almost famousy kind of things that happen behind the scenes when you're in a band, and there's little arguments, and you don't know what to do about the merch table and crap like that, but it's done in Adventure Time, Adventure Time mm-hmm. style. Very, very funny. Um, a big congratulations to Vera Brosgul, who just won a, um, well, Eisner Award. Eisner. Yeah, she won an Eisner Award. Uh, she is the writer of Anya's Ghost, and she also has, uh, I just read it before we before we came on the show, a little webcomic called um, What Were You Raised by Wolves? Um, it's very short. It's no dialogue, all pictures. Uh, very cool. Uh, one of my favorite artists, Sarah Pacelli. Incredible uh, work on oh, yeah, she's Ult- great. Ultimate oh, Spider-Man. She's fantastic. 
and uh, NYX is a series that I mentioned not too long ago. Uh, Amy Reader, who did work with Batwoman, she's got a website uh, called tentopet.com. That's T-E-N-T-O-P-E-T.com. And last but not least is uh, Stacy Final Girl Ponder, who does the RPG web series. Absolutely hilarious, like, D&D um, comic. It's just, she does all this cool little stick figure artwork very simple but very funny very well written and put together and she's also a huge huge uh horror movie buff which is always a plus yes so awesome uh run down a couple i've mentioned amanda connor a few times here on the show who's just amazing uh drifting backwards in, in that direction, uh, I know Steve's picked up on Power Pack. So Louise Simonson Love Power Pack. was Louise Jones before she married Walt Simonson, another one of those power couples. She's and June Brigman. So nice, too. Uh, going way, way back. I know uh, everybody. No, I don't. But okay. Now, uh, Ramona Fraden, who drew Aquaman and Metamorpho for years and years and then worked for Marvel. Marie Severn worked for EC. And at Marvel, she was their caricaturist, but she also drew Doctor Strange and the Hulk for years and years. And before I mention this next one, that'll be a throw to you, Stephanie, uh, besides mentioning Trina Robbins and Friends of Lulu, which people should check out, which is about empowering female readers and creators. And it's been going for 20 odd years and people should check that out. But somebody new who I I think you're kind of uh, a fan of is Stephanie Busema. Oh, yes. I adore such, her. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Steph. She is just so lovely. Um, she's just this incredible artist who um, does these fun little prints of things like Wonder Woman. And she did this, what really, uh, I discovered her by, she did this commission for somebody that was, um, they asked her to do a Nancy Drew cover, like her dream Nancy Drew cover. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she did this really cool, um, she does every. she paints everything. Um, and, she did this Nancy Drew in the ghost ship picture. Oh. And I, I can't really, I really can't do her justice by trying to describe her work. But you have to go check her out. Yeah. She is phenomenal. And she has children's books. And um, she has something for everybody. Prints, children's books, comics. No, go I, check her out. Right, I first saw her doing one of the, when Marvel did their Women of Marvel Month. And she did some of the girl comics. Mm-hmm. It was doing sort of spoofs of Fantastic Four. And it's just, I guess it's watercolor she's doing? No, she doesn't do watercolor. She explained to me what she does. And I can't quite remember the paint, but like she, only one shop I think she knows of sells it. Wow. And so it's really hard to get and all this. But, oh, you know, I, I'm when I go to conventions, like I, I have this chance to meet these people. And it makes me want to be a bigger fan of their work because of how nice they are. And she's one of those people. Yeah, so. She comes from good stock. Her grandfather being big John, right? Mm-hmm. She's yeah. Long line of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> but, cool. Yes. Um, do you have any creators you wanted to point out, Stephanie? Yeah. I was going to just add two more quick to my like female list. And, and that was dagger of cloak and dagger. And oh. Gwen and Ellie from iZombie for my strong female characters. And then as far as um, creators go, I would be, you know, a jerk if I didn't say Kate Beaton of Hark! Of Hark! <laughs> Which I'm reading and just embracing entirely. <laughs> and um, Kate Leth, who is absolutely fantastic. She has a webcomic called Cater Die. 
um, <laughs> Renee Deliz, um, ah, who helped put Womenthology together. Um, Colleen Coover, who's done things like The Gingerbread Girl and, wait, I think I have, yeah, Colleen Coover and Paul Tobin, correct? They do. We yes. don't know. You have to <laughs> help us okay, out. No, I was like, I had a quick moment where I thought I was, there's two Colleen's in comics and I, I'm pretty sure it's Colleen Coover. Um, this Colleen Dorn like is the girl, other one, right? And she just did uh, Bandette for Monkey Brain. So nice. They are absolutely wonderful human beings. And if it wasn't Colleen Coover, did I, if I mixed it up, ah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's. I Colleen think you're Coover. right. <laughs> Very nice. Um, we got some listeners who wrote with some of their favorite creators. Oh. Um, Joey, who actually writes for our site, uh, he said, you know, he put up a colorist actually, Elizabeth uh, Brightweiser who I th- I'm pretty oh. sure might do the colors on uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. I th- yes. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure that that's... Um, he said, uh, can we please make sure she gets the prop she deserves? Her work makes Marvel look damn good. Color counts. Oh. Yeah. Yes, it does. So, I was going to say quickly, colorist, Laura Allred. Laura Allred. She just won Best Eisner right. over the weekend, and she's yes. fantastic. She's a husband and wife team with Mike Allred. Carry on. Yeah, ma- <laughs> Madman. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, Madman, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's a lone, Lonely Wrangler, like to say, <laughs> I would have to say uh, uh, Blair Butler and Jill Thompson. She gives yeah, shout out scary, to... Scary Godmother Jill mm-hmm. Thompson, yeah. Because a shout out to both those two people. Um, Rust-Faced Art says, at Sarah Pacelli is crazy good. Definitely my favorite right now. Um, Grandpa Caramba says, after... <laughs> I love these Twitter Yes. Guys. After Silk Spectre, Amanda Connor stepped up huge. Um, the official time oh. says uh, Rachel Deering, uh, D- Kelly DeConnick, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, and Gail Simone are my three favorite off the top of my head. Um, Superbad Larry says Louise Simonson, Rumiko Takahashi, Colleen Coover, Anne Nocenti, Gail Simone, and Bobby Chase. Um, and that's what our listeners had to give us. So I want to thank them very much for writing in. And letting us know some of their favorite creators. Again, guys, this is not the end of it. You have a chance, to, you know, if you guys want to write in, tell us more. If there's characters we forgot, if there's creators we forgot. Um, of course, we want to think, of course, Fiona Staples is great because she was on the show and she's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, and for the record, I would love to see her. She was talking about Nancy Drew covers. I would love to see Fiona Staples do some Goosebumps covers. How awesome wow. would that be? That'd, be? that'd be pretty great. Right? Um, yes, absolutely. But if, you, but if you guys thought we left anything out, if you guys want to, you know, Bring something your own to the table at Talking Comics on Twitter. Info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. And if you guys haven't been doing it, go to TalkingComicBooks.com and check out all of the content that's going up on the site. We have four podcasts. Count them. Four podcasts coming up here. Um, if you like what we do, tell people about it. You know, you know, Throw a link on Twitter. Throw a link on your Facebook. You might not think you can do anything about it, but if one person goes, oh my God, this is awesome – um, it really helps us out, and if you guys believe in what we're doing, you know it shouldn't it shouldn't be any issue at all. Um, and again, all our contributors are doing awesome. We have character spotlights, you know, uh, interviews going up every single day. It, it's really it's growing it, like crazy. Yeah, it's really a, a great week and highlighting a ton of characters and creators that probably don't get enough light. Yeah. So, I mean, I know when I was looking up, you know, trying to make my list for favorite female characters. Every time I looked up, like. Top female characters, kind of make sure I didn't forget anybody. Yeah, I, I, what I'm mostly what I got was hottest female characters, you know, Aww. and stuff like that. So best comic chests. 
that's what we're fighting against. We're trying for something different here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah comment, please comment. If you see a story on the site, comment on it. Send people out a Twitter or an email, whatever. Just and for you, fa- for you Facebook people, we are making a, con- a concentrated effort over the last week or so to pay more attention to you guys. I know you guys <laughs> kind of get shoved off to the side, but uh, I am definitely going to make a point of uh, you know reacting to what you guys have to say. Uh, the likes on there have been going up the past couple weeks, and it's awesome. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you very, very much. So book what's of the week? out right now? Well, not, uh, book, not of book of the book week. Of the oh, week. Fuck. We're, oh, we're, we're, we're restarting. Still books of the week. Yeah. We're restarting. No, no, we're, what are we doing? <laughs> well, what are we doing? Can I just add something in super, super quickly? Yes, of course, Stephanie. Well, okay. So two weeks ago now, since I missed last week, I talked about Sarah and the Seed, the webcomic. I yeah. love Andrew. that. Which I read. It was excellent. It's great. Yes, absolutely wonderful. He has a Kickstarter going on right now for oh his book. <gasps> so it's called Nothing is Forgotten. And there are some seriously amazing prizes for donating and being a part of it. So if you checked out Sarah on the Seat and you really liked it and you liked Ryan Andrews' work, please go check out his Kickstarter. Um, it ends on August 1st. And um, again, it's called Nothing is Forgotten. Maybe attach um, a little uh, link. Uh, the link is pretty massive, but if you look up Nothing Is Forgotten, Ryan Andrews, you will be able to find it. Basically, it's, you know. Fine. It was a great a story. A whole buttload of stuff, unless, yeah. It's basically Nothing Is Forgotten, a collection of short <laughs> stories with Kickstarter.com before it. So, yeah. All right. Just just Google it. <laughs> just Google it. All well, right. Okay. What? No, no, no. I'll I'll try and post a link in the... You know, post. I think that's what Steve meant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. He didn't mean like go HTTP colon backslash backslash. (laughs) I meant you know, like in the liner notes stuff that we usually, you know how to do it. I know what you meant. She knows too. Yeah. But she she forgot. She thought you meant you wanted her to read the link out on the air. Yeah. That's what I thought you were saying. Sorry. I thought you said she's a fool. I didn't. Sorry. I thought that too. So what do I know? She's just tired. She's a nap. I need like a week long nap. <laughs> All right. So, when you said book of the week, you meant this week's releases. That's exactly <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> this is what you meant. So, from Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time number six. Yeah. We have Elric, The Balance Lost number 11. Sure. Extermination mm-hmm. number two. And Roger Landridge's Snarked number 10, which won a. Um, Eisner, I've heard I nothing but good things yeah, about that Love the title. They won an as, as a snarky person. I gotta, I gotta grab that from Rob. So um, from Dark Horse Comics, we have Alabaster Wolves, number four. Ooh, yeah. We have BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Devil's Engine, number three. We have Baltimore, Dr. Lescovar's Remedy, number two of two. We have Concrete, three easy pieces, one shot. We have Dark Horse Presents, number 14, another Eisner winning book. That Ooh. has some ghost in it, but there is a ghost zero coming out before Indeed. this series begins. Fatima, the Blood Spinners, number two of four. Fatima. Reset, number four of four. And Star Wars, Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison, number three <laughs> of five. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Batman Beyond Unlimited, number six. We have Batwoman, number 11. Yeah. We have Before Watchmen, Silk Spectre, number two. Yay. Birds of Prey, number 11. Eh. Blue Beetle, number 11. Captain Adam, number 11. Catwoman, number 11. Uh, DC Universe Presents, number 11. 
Dominique Laveau, Voodoo Child, number five. Yeah. We have Fables, number 119. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we have Green Lantern Corps, number 11. Hellblazer, number 293. Justice League, number 11. Legion of Superheroes, number 11. Nightwing, number 11. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 11. A lot of number 11s. Why is that? Because it's all the, the, the new 52 stuff. Is that in its 11th oh, month? Oh, is that why? <laughs> yeah. Um, Lost track there for a second. Uh, Supergirl number 11. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Unwritten number 39. Wonder Woman number 11. And Young Justice number 18. Um, from Dynamite, we have, well, of course, we have Garth Ennis's Jennifer Blood annual number one. Always. We have Prophecy <laughs> number two of seven. We have Red Sonia number 67. Spider number three. Vampirella number 19. We have Warlords of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 13. Um, from IDW, we have Cobra, number 15. La, 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 la. Danger Girl, G.I. Joe, number one. Ugh. Kiss, number two. Mars oh, my Attacks. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With Mars probably At- 12 covers, too. Yeah, probably. Mars Attacks, number two. Night of a Thousand Wolves, number three. Mm. Star Trek, number 11. Star Trek, The Next Generation. Doctor Who, Assimilation <laughs> 2, number two. Also, number three. Sorry. Um, is out this week as well. From Image, we have Activity number seven, Carbon Gray Volume two number one, Ooh, Darkness number one hundred five, Glory number twenty eight, Saga number five, yeah. Skull Kickers number sixteen, and the hardcover of Sunset is also out. Um, from Marvel, we have Avengers Academy number thirty three, Avengers versus X Men number eight of twelve. We have yeah, Captain man. Marvel, number yes. one. Yeah. We have Daredevil, number 15. Yay. Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, The Man in Black, number two of five. Fantastic Four, number 608. Yes. Huzzah. We have, oh, we have the Feature Foundation, volume two, trade paperback out as well. Nice. Um, as well as a trade paperback of Ghost Rider, the complete series by Rob Williams. Um, mm. We have Infernal Man Thing, number two of three. Yes. Invincible mm. Iron Man, number 521. Journey into Mystery, number 641. We have Marble Zombies Destroy, number 5 of 5. New Mutants, number 46. Secret Service, number 3 of 6. We have Uncanny X-Men, number 16. Untold Tales of the Punisher Max, number 2 of 5. Wolverine, number 309. (laughs) X-Factor, number 240. And X-Men, number 32. Um, from Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales, Myths and Legends, number 18. So that is it for what is Wonderland coming Wonderland movie coming, perhaps? That is, oh yeah, there's a rumor, yeah. I don't know if that's actually happening, but... I, I don't know. Yeah. It was, a, was it a movie or a TV show? Oh, is it a TV, well, it they're, a TV show? Well, they're definitely, I mean, we don't have time to get into it yeah. now, but they're, they have a couple of projects in the works, actually. We can yeah, talk but, about it next time. Right, next yeah, we'll time. talk about it next time. Um, so, uh, that is it for our Women in Comics... Talking Comics podcast. Uh, again, guys, we have an interview already up with Fiona Staples. If you haven't listened to that yet, check that out. Um, tomorrow, you'll have an interview with Kelly Sue DeConnick up. Uh, and Friday, an interview with Trina Robbins up. And uh, all of them definitely really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. It's really great to talk to these people. And they give some insights, a lot of fun, a lot of cool stories. Um, and it was cool because Fiona was the first artist we've had on the show. Yeah. You know, so that's a lot of fun. Wow, yeah, writers. Setting the true. bar high. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's so chill, too. She was very, very chill. <laughs> um, and also on the side, like I said, interviews, top 10 lists, character spotlights, you know, a ton of uh, content. And that's on top of the reviews that 
we have up normally. Yeah, every things week. that are normally going to be up anyway. Yeah. yeah so um, check it out and let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of these themed weeks. You know, if you like them, we'll come up with other ones to do as well. You know, so we want to give you guys what you guys want. Um, but that is it for this week. Um, again, at Talking Comics on Twitter, <laughs> info at talkingcomicbooks.com is the email. Um, the Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Talking Comics. Um, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve is uh, dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie is hello cookie. And Bob's email address rrr2442 at yahoo.com. By the way, I did get an email this week from Adam who said, don't join Twitter ever. It is lame. (laughs) 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 It was like, okay, I'll take that for a given and move on. So I have an email address, so that's just fine. Our fans he's are just, the, he's just buttering you up. Yeah. <laughs> Our fans have the pitchforks out against Adam because they all want you on Twitter. All right, so that is it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. Evening, ladies. Bob. Adios. And Stephanie. Toodaloo. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>